tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. life in the Bible. Look at Joseph. You look how he started off. He was growing. He was doing just fine. And man, he had a bad season. He thought he was coming up out of that season. He had another bad season. Came up out of that season. But each season, the time that he was in and the seasons that he got to eventually made him into who he was. Think about if he wouldn't have used his time wisely in the prison. Could he have made it? to the ruler in the palace running all of Egypt? Think about this for a minute. Joseph was ruled before he ruled. You see, we've got to learn some lessons in life. We've got to be willing to say, I'm going to take the energy that I'm not using right now when I'm blooming because I know what that energy is meant to do in this dormant season. It's meant to be channeled to other places. What do I need to work on? What is God doing in my life? Am I becoming everything that I'm supposed to be in this season? Are you going to die on the vine? No, you're not dying on the vine. You're going to use those energies to grow and to become everything that the next season holds. It's really a very exciting, exciting uh, transition and process that takes place. But it's all in our mind. It's all in our attitude. It's all how we look at it. You see, if I look at the trees today, it's very dull outside. I like springtime much better. You know, it's my favorite time when the flowers are blooming. But you know what? I know that there will not be a spring without a winter. See, winter always gives way to spring. And the beautiful thing about that is some winters are tougher than others. Some winters are mild. But you know, the thing about winter is, when it breaks forth into spring, it always makes spring seem even better. You appreciate it more, don't you? You're ready to get out of winter, and you're like, wow, I love spring. So wherever you are today, recognize that your time and your seasons are in God's hands. And he wants to do a work in each and every season. So take the time to find out what it is you're supposed to be in this season. What are you meant to be? You cannot stop the clock. So don't waste it. Enjoy it. Make the most out of it. Squeeze out of it everything you can. And sometimes you're literally going to have to squeeze to find it. Because it's easy to put your head down and to sulk and to be disappointed and not like the change. So I'm saying there is some squeezing going on. You're going to have to look for it. But I want to tell you something. God is going to get you to the spring. You are going to bloom. You are going to become everything God intended you to be. 
And I believe when we do that, we will understand that we have been molded and made by the hand of Almighty God. Amen? Amen. undefeated one, seated at the right hand of the Father, and Lord, we just thank you for all that you've done for us, that we can stand here victoriously, redeemed and forgiven, and 
Lord, we know that you've already chosen us before we could choose you. And we come back as we start the new week to say thank you for all you've done and for life and health and freedom and opportunity. And Lord, we've all got a reason to be grateful today. And we just thank you for goodness and mercy. And Lord, we thank you for all you've done in the past. But Lord, we believe our greatest days are still out in front of us. Lord, I want to thank you today that every force that's trying to stop us, whatever that may be, I thank you that those forces are broken in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you today that you are filling us up right now with whatever we need. By faith, we receive healing flowing into each one of us right now, and strength and wisdom and joy and peace. And Lord, we do our part. We let go of all the anxiety the worry, the bitterness, the doubt, whatever it may be, we empty that out right now. And Lord, by faith, we just receive your goodness right now. I thank you that you're restoring health back to those that need it, that the number of our days you will fulfill. Those that are listening, watching, our friends in the hospital, Lord, I thank you that you're sending healing right now to them. I thank you that we're getting stronger, healthier, wiser, Lord, I thank you that we won't be at this same place next year as we are right now, but then we are moving forward. I thank you, Lord, we'll step into new levels of our destiny, that our gifts and talents will come out to the full. Lord, that we will become everything you've created us to be. Lord, we, re- we ask for forgiveness and receive your mercy for the mistakes we've made. We shake off the guilt, the condemnation, and Lord, we get ready not for an average week, not for a mediocre week, but for a blessed week. A week of your favor and goodness and mercy. Lord, I thank you. You said the moment we pray, the tide of the battle begins to turn. So we may not see it yet with our natural eyes, but we believe in the unseen realm. Things are changing in our favor. I declare for all of us, we are blessed. We are prosperous. We are redeemed, forgiven, talented, creative, disciplined, focused, confident, secure, prepared, qualified, motivated, equipped, empowered, anointed, accepted, and approved. Not average, not mediocre, but children of the Most High God. Victors and never victims in Jesus' name. And if you believe it today, if you know it's you, can you say amen? The scripture says, be confident of this. He that began a good work in you will bring it to completion. I love the fact that it says be confident. You know why God said that? Because there would be times we'd all think, you know what, it's not going to work out. I'm never going to get, you know, totally healed or free from this addiction. I'll never get out of debt. There'll be a lot of things that may not look like it's ever going to happen. But you've got to look away from the circumstances. And, you know, sometimes you have to look away from the natural and say, you know what, I'm not going to live by what I see in the natural, I'm going to go by what I know. I'm going to go by what I believe, and that is that the Most High God, the one that breathed life into me, the one that spoke worlds into existence, He said that He would finish what He started in my life. You may have some unfinished business right now. My message to you is it's, it's not over. God has the final say. So you take the limits off of Him and get ready for God to do something that you cannot do. God wants to bring those promises to completion. And I just believe that, you know, even in this coming week, you're going to see a sign of God's favor. God's going to make something happen that you could not make happen on your own. So, you know, 
Jesus said, well, Joel, I think you're just getting people's hopes up. You can't have faith if you don't first have hope. So why don't you take the limits off of God like me and say, God, I'm expecting a sign of your favor even this week. God, I'm expecting you to turn this negative situation around. God, I believe the moment we prayed, the tide of the battle turns. See, you may not see anything happening, but if God were to pull back the curtain and let you see into the unseen realm, you would see God moving the wrong people out of the way, arranging things in your favor, making your crooked places straight. So let's be a believer and not a doubter. Don't go through life upset. Be still and know that He is God. Be strong and of good courage, for the Lord your God is with you. We're going to take a moment to pray today. If there's something you'd like us to pray with you about, it'd be our joy and honor. Thanks for being with us today.
great way to start your day. Wake up to hope. You know, when we put hope in us, it fuels our faith. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. So when you hold on to hope, you are increasing your faith. Know today that God is for you. He's not against you. He's on your side. The day he breathed breath into you, he had a plan. So know today his plans are good for you. We are praying for you and believing that you're going to see that great plan as you start off each day waking up to hope. Got a great resource for you this month. It's called Everyday Miracles. It's just to remind you that God is fighting your battles, that he can turn any situation around. One touch of his favor can thrust you to a whole new level of your destiny. I know these CDs, these messages will really help encourage your faith just to believe for the, the supernatural and to see God's work in your everyday life. So request it. I know it will be a great blessing for you. We love being with you each day. Until next time, we'll see you then. As a thank you for your support of our ministry this month, Joel and Victoria would like to send you a copy of Everyday Miracles, Experiencing the Limitless Power of God. In this new three-message series from Joel Osteen, you'll be reminded that in every breath, every step, and every smile, God is doing miracles in your life every day. See God's favor and promises for you and experience the limitless power of God today. To request your copy of Everyday Miracles, visit us at joelosteen.com or call us toll-free. Maybe you've never accepted the Lord as your Savior. Why don't you pray with me today? Say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. Friend, if you prayed that simple prayer, we believe you got born again. Get in a good Bible-based church. Keep God first place. He's going to take you places that you've never dreamed. From New York Times best-selling authors Joel and Victoria Osteen comes their new devotional, Wake Up to Hope. We're excited about our new devotional called Wake Up to Hope. It's a great way to start the new day. You'll be inspired and encouraged to be your best each day. Start each morning setting your mind in the right direction with this new devotional, Wake Up to Hope. Now available at joelosteen.com. Tune in tomorrow morning for another broadcast of Wake Up to Hope with Joel and Victoria, right here, only on TBS. By His stripes, we are healed. God wants you well and living in divine health. May is healing month at TBN, and we want to pray for you and equip you to believe God for your healing. So in appreciation of your love gift to TBN, we will send you a new, powerful teaching series from Pastor Joseph Prince titled, Freely Receive Your Healing. There are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. In this series, you'll discover the promise of divine health revealed in the New Covenant, how to receive your healing. We're also excited about the Healing Bible. This unique Bible is filled with study notes on healing and divine health, and it comes with a companion CD that helps you confess God's Word and declare His healing over you. All are yours this month for your love gift of $175 or more. As you read and declare God's healing promises, you'll find yourself engulfed in the healing presence of our Lord. 
Network. Take a moment now to call 800-201-5200 or go online to tbn.org to request your copy of Freely Receive Your Healing for your gift of any amount or the Healing Bible and CD along with Joseph Prince's teaching series for your gift of $175 or more or write us at TBN. Post Office Box A, Santa Ana, California, 92711. Let's believe God for our healing and health. Call, click, or write today. TBN is bringing changes to serve you better. The Blessed Life program is now airing daily at 9.30 a.m. Pacific. Watch daily preaching of the best-selling author and a senior pastor of the Gateway Church, Robert Morris, on deep and educational concepts of biblical truth applicable to everyday life. Be inspired by the Word of Wisdom. Up next, watch Joseph Prince proclaiming the Gospel of Grace on TBN. This is TBN, part of the Trinity Broadcasting family of networks, celebrating 42 years of God's miracles. The following paid program is sponsored by the friends and partners of Joseph Prince Ministries. Joseph Prince. A lot of your fears this year, or your half of this year, won't happen. I'm prophesying that to you. Start living. Start laughing. Start loving. everybody. I'm so glad to have the opportunity to share the word of the Lord with you today. I have a word today that I believe is going to speak to your life. The message is called The Importance of the Right Outlook. It is so important. How you perceive what's in front of you can be the difference between where you are and where you're trying to go. If you're going to move forward, you might have to change your perception of the situation. This may be the answer to the prayer you prayed last night. Listen to this. This particular text that we're going to talk about this morning is, to me, the Magna Carta of blindness, the healing of blindness. It is, it is so unique, first of all, because of the methodology whereby Christ heals it. It's, 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 it's so base, it's so vile. Some say they could not take it, but God just spit in the eye. Let me ask you, how many people have been spat on? It's an unforgettable experience. It might have happened when you were seven years old on the back of a school bus, but here you are, 47, you still remember that gook sliding down your face and what it said and what it meant and how you reacted when they did it. How many of you who, who raised your hand and you've been spat on, you smiled through it? No, it's not something you smile about. It, it, it's degrading to agree. It's insulting to you spat on me like I'm dirt. Jesus spat on him. And, 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 and the dynamics of the healing are so unique. First of all, we don't see him healing any other blind man quite this way. Each one of them he healed differently. 
He does not want us to develop a recipe for healing blindness because each of us has an awakening a different way. Some people get it through the music. Some people get it through the words. Some people get it through a conversation. We have different ways of coming to a moment of, uh, 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 of greatness where we see things. Some people get it at 20. Some people, they get themselves together at early ages. They spend their life on top. Other people, by the time you get any sense, you're too old to do anything about it. When I was a child, I thought as a child, spoke as a child, understood as a child, understood as a child, understood as a child. I had to be understanding being later. Understood as a child, understood as a child. I could see like a child, saw everything like a kid. Me, 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 me. Kids are always selfish. It's inherent in youth. It's selfish. The whole world is about them. Me, 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 me. When I became a man, when I became what a man, when I evolved into adulthood, how do you know? I put away childish things. It could be possible that your life is littered with childish things while you pray adult prayers. Your prayer life could exceed your vision, and your whole life could be faulted. And, and, and that's interesting to understand that God doesn't heal everybody the same way. Some of you are in the process of being healed and trying to straighten out everybody else. You're marshals and deputies over everybody else's spirituality, while the truth be told, deep down inside, you have barrenness in your womb, discouragement in your heart, and God is not finished with you. And I'm not implying that you have to be finished in order to minister to people, because if that were the case, I'm going to go sit down. <laughs> uh, what I am saying to you is that you become a judge, jury, and a hangman over people while you are still afflicted yourself. Because sometimes it's easier to fix other people <laughs> than it is to fix yourself. This is an amazing story, and, and it's so big, and it, it's so bold, because it also lets us know that, that healing is progressive. One touch doesn't always do it. <laughs> yeah, one touch doesn't always do it. One, one coming to the altar might not always do it. One time having hands laid on you might not always do it. That, that you could be functioning up under a first-touch experience, perpetrating the seat better than you do. <laughs> and that's why it's good. And I get distracted by all of that. And when I get distracted by all of that, I miss some significant information. Jesus has come to Bethsaida. Bethsaida is a port where fishermen gather, where a bunch of men around a port, that's, that's a rough little place. Because when guys get together and get to sweating and get to working in a men's environment, anybody who's ever worked in an environment where working men can tell you we can be something. In the course of working, I mean, we do stuff and talk about stuff, and it, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. You got little virgin ears, don't work around a bunch of working men because we do stuff and say stuff. We think things are funny that 
So it's it's a rough area. It's 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 a, it's a port. It's a it's a rough area where a bunch of men, hot, sweaty, working men, are coming in from long days and early mornings and doing fishing and doing business and trying to get things done. And and it's a place where men would have sailed into, and there'd be a certain kind of women that hung around that area. It's a, it's it's a, Bethsaida. Is a, it's a rough area. And they when he came to Bethsaida. They brought him a blind man. I don't know who they were. The Bible never tells us who they were. But thank God for they. God uses a they when you don't have a them. He'll get it to you, even if it didn't come from the places that other people got it from. He'll always send somebody who cares about you. This is a poor who cares about this blind man. They're doing business. Who cares about this blind man? There's a bunch of men down here, sweaty men, dragging in big fish. It's musky. It's rowdy. It's funky. And yet there's a day. Did I say that? Oh, it's out. Can't remember about it. There's a day. Pray for me. You got to intercede harder because it's not working this morning. There's a day in your life. Wouldn't it have been something that the blind man had to listen today? I ain't going nowhere. Ain't no need. I made it. If I leave me alone. They brought him to Jesus. Jesus has come to Bethsaida. They brought him to Jesus in Bethsaida. And Jesus, the first thing he does is turn around and takes him out of the village, out of Bethsaida. You just got here, Jesus. Excuse me, you you got stuff to do. You came to Bethsaida. You come with your troops and your staff and your team. You just got to Bethsaida. They brought him a blind man, and the first thing Jesus does is lead him out of what he just came into. I am so distracted by the blindness that I forgot to look at the environment. Why does Jesus turn right around on his heels and walk out of what he just walked into when he sees the blind man, he led him out of Bethsaida and yielded. But I, I say, God, are you not God in Bethsaida? Could you not heal this blind man in Bethsaida? Why did you take him out of Bethsaida to perform the miracle when you are God of the whole earth? What do you want the blind man to see about his environment? Because until the blind man sees his environment correctly, his outlook will never change. Could it be possible that his condition is being fed by his environment? Now, bear in mind, I and Jesus are both using this blind man for a bigger point. Jesus is using this blind man to send a message about Bethsaida. I'm using this blind man to send a message about you. Neither of us are really talking about the blind man. We are only using the blind man to make a bigger point to you. Could it be possible that Bethsaida is contributing to his disparity. Can I go deeper? 
Jesus led him out of Bethsaida. He said, we're not even going to start this process till we get you out of Bethsaida. What is it about Bethsaida that Jesus does not like? Though he goes into it, though he works in it. What is it about Bethsaida? Bethsaida is one of the few cities that Jesus pronounced a woe on. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. Bethsaida is a cursed city because Bethsaida refuses to believe in the power of God. Because God has been good to Bethsaida and performed miracle after miracle in Bethsaida, and Bethsaida is unrelenting in its commitment to being dysfunctional. stay in Bethsaida because there are some places you cannot stay. Jesus brings the blind man out of Bethsaida, brings him outside the city, and then takes nothing. He says, your, your healing will take nothing once I get you out of your environment. Let me tell you how easy. I, he he of him. He said, my spit is better than the wealth of Bethsaida. God's trash is better than the treasure of the world. God's foolishness is better than the wisdom of this world. And you are trying to have a God experience in a worldly environment. Sunday expecting it to cover for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then you put a little dab of religion on it and wonder why your world doesn't change. Still to come on the Potter's Touch. If you come from Bethsaida, you got to be willing to go back to the altar and back to the altar and back to the altar and say, Lord, touch me again. Touch me again. It's coming back again. It's coming up again. I need another touch from you. I still don't have your nature. I still don't have your character. And I will not lie and act like I'm more than I am. I want to be. I got to be. I shall be. I must be whole. Do it again. Put it right here. MegaCare is partnering to empower communities worldwide. You can bring life-saving help to those around the world in need, and together we can build a better tomorrow. Give today at MegaCareMissions.org. They led him out of Bethsaida. And when he got him out of the environment, he spat in his eye. and get some help. And when you go in those places where you need some help, they talk to you like a... 
Jehovah. We didn't have a medical card. Sharita was pregnant. We had to do something so she could get some medical treatment. And I had to go in a place I'd never been in before and sit in a state I had never seen in my life to get some help. And that woman talked to me like I was a junkyard dog. I wanted to let her have it. Oh, God, I thought, Jesus, if Carbac called me back, I'm up. But they didn't call me back. And I needed the help too bad to be insulted. You know the people who don't go to the church because the parking lot is across the street and they don't like to be in crowds. And the church is too big and I watch him on TV, but I don't like to get out around people. I don't like to get dressed up. You ain't in trouble. When you get in real trouble, you will walk across the street barefooted on hot pavement. When you get in real trouble, you don't care who's around you, what they think, what you got on, what you wear. When you get in real trouble, you will get help at any cost. You don't care whether I'm black, whether I'm white, whether I'm loud, whether I sweat. You don't even make you when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. You will get help. You don't care where it is. Somebody holler, help! <laughs> See, you might be sitting beside somebody who's just trying to be cute and important. But if you mess around and sit beside somebody who's desperate, desperate people don't care what you think. They don't care what they got on. They don't care what you say. Desperate people just want help. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm desperate, I'm desperate, I'm desperate. You need to warn them. That means if you're nervous, you need to move. If you don't want nobody getting up and getting loud and getting rowdy, you need to move to somebody who's not desperate. I didn't come here to show off my outfit. I didn't come here because I had a new hat. I came here because I'm desperate. There's some stuff I need to break. There's some things I need to change. There's some doors I need to see open. There's some ways I need to see made. Somebody holler, help! And so, <clears throat> Jesus takes him out of Bethsaida, spits in his eye, lays hands on him, and says, what do you see? Are you willing to challenge your perception? You've challenged everybody else and everything else. At this stage in your life, are you willing to challenge your perception? And he said, oh, Lord, I see men walking as trees. He said, he, of all the things to see, he determines the depth of his inner healing by his outlook. I can tell how healthy you are inwardly by your outlook. How do you see people? How do you see 
Is it distrust, fear, apprehension, anxiety, disdain, or do you crave them, long for them, need their approval, affirmation? What, however you see them, it tells me where you are in the recovery. Why didn't the man test his eyes on something else? He's out of the village. There aren't many people around. Why use people of all things? Because your outlook is a reflection of what's going on inside of you. And it is far more important to you than what you're looking at. I see men walking as trees. Is the problem with the eyes or with the men? You could have a touch from God, a legitimate touch from God, and still not have the right outlook. You could be saved and still have a recovery. <laughs> That's why it's not enough to tell people, be not unequally yoked believers with unbelievers. Because that suggests to them that as long as you say you're a Christian, then you're cool to marry. You could be a Christian crazy. <laughs> That's a new phrase I call it, Christian crazy. Ain't no crazy like Christian crazy. This man has a legitimate experience with Christ that has made him better but not whole. This first stage of recovery represents most believers. Better, but not whole. And whether the difference between better and whole is determined by your outlook. Do you think Jesus needed to ask that man a question? Do you not know that our God is omniscient, that he is all-knowing? Do you think that Jesus needed to hear from that man to evaluate the state of recovery he was in? He don't answer, oh, said, how deep are you? He don't answer, when, how hard are you blowing? He knows everything, the end from the beginning. You know Jesus already knew. He has asked this man, how you doing, what do you see? so that the man can confess that one touch is not enough. I want something else. I need something else. I want to go deeper. This man makes a decision. He has a chance to settle for less than what God wants him to have and say, Lord, I'm not what I ought to be, but thank God I'm not what I use. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me. man says, I see men walking as trees. I've had an experience with God, but I still don't have the right outlook. I've had a touch from the master, but my outlook is still not good. I'm saying, but I'm still negative. I'm saying, but I'm still controlling. I'm saying, but I'm still a gossip. I'm saying, but I'm still a whoremonger. Why am I like this? Because you still don't see people clearly. 
my outlook is not right. Here is the problem. If you walk away, sing Lynn as trees, you will contaminate everything you touch because you do not have the outlook that is necessary to move you into your destiny. And maybe you don't have the right outlook. Look at where you came from. Look at the best theater, the woeful place you had to climb out of to get the little bit that you got. And if you think that all that time in Beth Seda didn't affect your outlook, I got news for you. You've been through so much that one touch will not do you. Oh, excuse me. There were blind people in the Bible who got healed on the first touch. But they didn't come from Beth Seda. If you come from Bethsaida, you got to be willing to go back to the altar and back to the altar and back to the altar and say, Lord, touch me again. Touch me again. It's coming back again. It's coming up again. I need another touch from you. I still don't have your nature. I still don't have your character. And I will not lie and act like I'm more than I am. I want to be. I got to be. I shall be. I must be whole. Do it again. Put it right here. Put it right here. Put it right here. Jesus looks at the man and says, come here. Come here. Let me finish what I started. I don't know who this is for, but the Lord brought me here this morning to tell you that he wants you to come here. Let me finish what I started. I am Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. I didn't bring you out of that mess to leave that mess in you. I will. I must. I shall. So, He says, you're close enough now that I won't have to do everything I did the first time to finish what I started in your life. So close your eyes. I don't have to do what I did at first to finish what I started. He says, this time, I'm just going to lay my hands. You're so close. You're so close. He said, I know you're close because you're honest about where you are. <laughs> I know you're close because you're honest about where you are. I know you're close because it ain't they that is bringing you now. There's no more mention of they. You don't need nobody else to drag you into this. You said, oh, no, I'm too close, Jesus, to get this close and not get where I came from. If they don't help me, if mama don't help me, if daddy don't help me, if sister don't help me, if brother don't help me, I will help myself. Jesus, here I come. 
Listen, I'm out of time. I've got to stop there. It's been a real joy to share the importance of the right outlook. I trust that God has spoken to you in special ways, that he's spoken to your heart and to your life, and given you some direction. Direction is a powerful thing. You can have your eyes open and still not clearly see. Get your eyes back. Get your vision back. Get your fight back so that you can have the right outlook and make the right decisions. God bless you. Take care. You can have one sickness that leaves you bankrupt. See, the enemy doesn't care what he uses. He hates the name. Get your name back. You can be made new, restored, and renewed for God's glory. You'll never find the right person until you have reconciled the fact that you're enough by yourself. For your gift of any size, you'll receive Go Blind on CD from Bishop Jake's transformational series, Made New. God said, I will only bless that that I started. If I started it, I'll finish it. And when your gift is $65 or more, you'll receive Made New, Restored and Renewed for God's Glory on three DVDs. I see why I had to be afflicted. I see why they forsook me. I can see it now. However, when your gift is $110 or more, you'll receive the Made New 3-Message DVD set, as well as a stylish tumbler and travel bag. This is a season where you got to press, and every time you take a step, you got to say, God, I thank you. I made another step. Somebody praise it for another step. Get ready to be made new today. Slap your neighbor and say, don't go back. Whatever you do, don't go back. Once you get your head on straight, don't go back. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching those things which are before. You can go anywhere but backwards. I don't know where I go from here. I don't know what I'm going to have to fight. I don't know what I'm going to have to go through. But I do know one thing. I will not. I shall not. I must not. Brokenness chases after us to define who we are. But we are not found in the darkness that we endure, but in the light that guides us. And those stories matter. Tomorrow on Joni. It's time to break the cycle of busyness and find balance in your life. Our busyness is one of our biggest blocks. The living in God's will. Tomorrow on Joni. Today, live on Marcus and Joni. Sometimes life is filled with noises competing for our attention. Pastor Robert Morris shares how to quiet the noise and tune in to hear from God. Live at noon, 11 Central, only on Daystar. Did you know that making a donation to Daystar could help reduce your taxes? And what you donate is up to you. Your donations are deductible. Now is the time to sow a seed into this dynamic ministry. Call, log on, or email gifts at daystar.com. Today's generation makes Daystar their home for fake television. 
Man, I'm chilling. How are you? I'm moving around. I know, right? That's a good thing. That's a good thing. The start. Good morning to any. Right. Well, yeah, it's the alternative, I think. Uh-huh. <laughs> good morning to anyone else on the line. May I ask you to identify yourself if you are on the line this morning so that you can be acknowledged? Sound like a teacher. I, I know. I, you can't help it. It's, it's all up in you when, it, when it's all up in you. Mm. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, jeez. I'm sitting in the corner. Why do I got to be in the corner? Mm, hoping you don't see me. Oh, dear. Uh, but that's all right. That's all right. You know, just don't move around a lot. If you don't move around a lot, then you won't attract attention to yourself. Mm-hmm. So, so it's all good. Yes, indeed. All right. We got, we got Aretha on the line, Apostle. All right. Anybody else? Anybody else on the line, the main line? This morning. Hmm. That's all right. Arthur, we don't have you yet. Danny Marie? I remember Arthur was, he had to be at the school real early. Oh, right. He had to leave early. Oh, okay. So he's not able to. Okay. All right. No problem. And there's three of us there. Hey. Opening. You know what that means. Erica, are you someplace where you can... Wait a minute, I got to... Hold on. I'm sorry, I had a distraction for a second. Um, so I guess we can go ahead and start the um, opening prayer rotation... Miss Erica, are you in a position where you can do that? That's Pam. That's not Erica. That's Pam. That's not my mm-hmm. She ain't woke. And I told you I was in the corner. Oh my God! This sounds just okay. Well, Jesus. All right. Well, you know, since you're up, like my grandmother used to say, since you're up, mm-hmm. I know Felicia still getting <laughs> That's, That's a matter of opinion. opinion. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I know that um I know that Felicia is um oh my goodness, Felicia is getting those eyes out the door. She'll be on in a little bit. I'm hungry. I have some French toast. <laughs> but anyway, that's a sad note. Um Let's, um, Pam, would you mind opening us up? Mm. Okay. Yes. Yay! And then I'll go. And then, Samuel, you can go. And then if by then um, Felicia, you know, or Erica Thorny has joined us, then they can go ahead and jump on the conga line. Mm. Okay. Father, all the praise and all the glory goes to you forever and ever. I thank you, Father, for this day and for allowing us to be able to enjoy it. Father, thank you for this call. 
and for allowing us to come together to learn of your word and to share in your word and to have fellowship. Father, I pray that during this call we receive something that will enlighten us, that will touch us, that will help us to do our week, that will help us to help someone else, whether they realize it or not. Father, I thank you for all the participants on this call, praying for their health and wellness. So this is so much more. I thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Father God, we come before you today. We come before you on this beautiful Wednesday morning. Just grateful that we are able to still be here. Grateful that we have another opportunity, another day to make a difference in somebody's life. We have another opportunity to get it right. We have another day of grace and mercy. And we just have another day to really just allow you to use us in this walk. And so we just are grateful that things are as well as they are this morning. We are grateful for all of the provisions that you have made for us. And even though we may not all be totally, totally satisfied or pleased with the positions that we're in, we just thank you that things are as such. And so, you know, once again, we just ask that you swoop through and that you just move on this line, that you connect any dots that need to be connected, that you open up hearts, that you open up minds, that you open up spirits to receive that which you will have them to receive. We just ask you to bless the families. Um, that are represented on the line, and even the individuals who want to be on the line but are unable at this point, individuals whose ears may not be able to hear right now what's being said, but their hearts are with us right now. They're thinking of us. They're thinking about the line. We ask you to bless them also and all of those connected with them. And we just trust you, Father, that you are going to do what needs to be done with us, with whatever information is presented, with what with whatever words are being presented, with whatever ideas and thoughts are being presented. We ask that no matter what, that you take it and you turn it for your good so that it is received in the manner in which it is given. And we just ask that you um that you just bless and anoint uh, whomever speaks, not just the speaker, but whomever shares on the line, we ask that you just anoint their mouth so that what comes out is what you would have for them to say and that it is received and that it will be utilized for the building and furtherment of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Lord, 
Corombo Corombranded go yes, 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 Lord. Randed go seke, yes, 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 Father. Har randed go sa, yes, 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 Lord. Rombo randed go saka. Corombranded go se, har randed go saka. Sedidid go se, did 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 go Sura Hora ya poti de kasaka yes 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 father hanrande mm mm father god how your bosarana mm pero kumbra saka I guess it was last week. I'm not really quite sure, but it wasn't too long ago on the line. And I made the statement out of my mouth that if you go and make a choice, because if you go any further, there's no turning back. I know I said that statement, and, um, you know, I've been led and directed by the Holy Spirit, and, of course, I made a decision, well, I really ain't got no choice, but damn, I want to turn around. I just really do, but I have no choice. So what do I do? What do you do? So, Daddy God, I guess I need to ask you, what do I do? Even though I know your answer to that question is, dude, you going to trust me or what? <sighs> oh, Jesus. As I'm sitting here and I'm looking at these numbers on this paper and I'm looking at my situations and the circumstances, my father comes in the kitchen, and he walks down the stairs. 
That's the first time my father has walked down the stairs. He's been back. And that's just evidence of the hand of God on my life and upon my family. But it's hard. So what am I going to do? It's hard. So I'm not asking y'all that question. I guess I'm just talking. You asked me to pray, and this is what came up, and I didn't really want to let it out. So God, I guess my prayer, my talk, my confession, or whatever it is this morning is going to be, Lord, help my unbelief. I've been saying that lately, Father. Because I need you to meet me where I'm at, Lord. I need some manifestations, Lord. I need some help. Like T.D. said, you know, until, you, until you've been desperate, it don't matter. You know, it don't matter. You do whatever you got to do to get help. And, Lord, I'm coming to you again. I ain't coming to you again. I ain't left you. I, I can't leave you, Father. So, God, I need to be peaceful. I need to be quiet. I need to be listening. I need to be weak in myself and strong in you. And, Holy Spirit, you got to help me to do that. i got to believe that you have made a way of escape. I've got to believe that. Holy Spirit. You got to help me see it. You got to help me walk. You got to help me trust it. So, God, that's where I'm at. That's what's on my mind this morning. So, Jesus, be Jesus and help me to follow the path that you have laid out in front of me to walk. Oh, Jesus. Help me keep my gaze fixed upon you, because, Lord, I sure don't want to look at all what's going on around me. You say your word would not come back to you void, Father. I got to trust that, and I need your help. And that is my prayer for this morning. Amen. Amen. Wow. Okay. I'm sorry to be doing that to you, Lisa. You know, but <laughs> no, it's mm-mm. no, it's fine. This is this is whatever needs to happen. Uh, yeah. No, this is this ain't. Look here. One, I was taught that, especially recently, maybe it's whatever you know, all the stuff that's going on in the world right now. Um that one of the biggest issues with church folk, you know what I mean when I say church folk, Mm -hmm. church folk is that we are not real about our struggles. Mm. And I know that it must be kind of a common thing 
because my dad's been preaching it at his church. Um, Joe's been preaching it at, you know, Pastor Mitchell's been preaching it at New Hope. Pastor Wizard, Wiser's been preaching it. Um, I mean, I'm hearing it on the Internet. There must be something to it. There must be some kind of, you know, common thread that that people, maybe people in leadership positions or just church folk in general, see that we are not being real about the struggle because we feel like we have to go to church. And, you know, for us, this is our church. I'm sure you all feel the same way I do. This is church for me, even though we're on the line. You know, and then the physical churches or our Bible studies or whatever it is that we do, you know, like like we got it all together, like, you know, like talking about what what used to be, like everything is past tense, like we're not still in it, like we're not still going through. That's the part that we sometimes seem to not want to be real about, you know, but as a result, we have all these afflictions and we have all these things that we're going through and they're manifest, you know, because we're hiding them and we're keeping them inside and we're faking the funk, as they say. And, um, you know, we are are doing all of these things. They are not being addressed the way that they should, the way that they could be if we were just real about our stuff because it's very difficult to be genuine with ourselves and not be genuine with those around us, if that makes sense. Like it's, it's, it's not, you know, if, you, if you're fake with yourself, then most likely you're going to be fake with everybody around you. Mm-hmm. But if you're real with yourself, then that's going to radiate and it's going to come out for those around you because that inner conversation is what eventually is going to come out. It's, unless you just straight up get so frantic, and I'm, I'm serious, like unless you just straight up have multiple personality issues going on, then you can become just two totally different, and I mean we all have different sides of ourselves, but I mean totally detached personalities, then it's impossible to do that. So I'm saying all that to say that what you just did is what, needs to happen. What you just did is what this is supposed to be all about. Because if folk are, you know, going to the hospital acting like everything is fine, how how is the doctor supposed to fix it? (laughs) If you go to the hospital, you know, you go for your checkup and you know good and doggone well that you called and made that appointment because you didn't have this persistent cough for a month. I mean, a month, you can't stop, you know, you might have a fever every now and again, you know, you have some pain in your chest and whatnot, so that's why you made the appointment in the first place. But then you go to the doctor's office, and he asks you, oh, you know, how are you feeling? Has there been anything unusual happening with you lately? Have you been having any pain and discomfort? And you sit up there, and because you're not coughing at that particular second while you're in his face, while you're sitting on that table, because you're not doing it then, and you say, oh, no, everything is fine. How are you supposed to get some help? It's only through transparency. 
only through transparency can we get what we really, really need because we have to admit in the first place that we need it. So, mm-mm. you're good. Good. Thank you, dear. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> yeah, after that note. <laughs> no, it's all good. I got it. Hey, man, you know, it's, this this call, you know, it's whatever you need. Look, what you need, what you need, what you need. We got it. You <laughs> <laughs> need. <laughs> okay, Benny from Good Times.
you know, things like that so that we can focus on, on the upbeat, so that we can focus on, um, you know, how God is keeping his promises. So, and then, you know, just good old-fashioned, you know, cheesy motivation to give us some strength, to give us, um, you know, kind of a look up uh, for the rest of the week. So that's going to be the format of Wednesdays, of course, we're still going to do prayer requests. That's every day. That's always. Um, but, you know, that's going to kind of be the focus of Wednesday so far, or, um, you know, from now on. Um, Sam, I have to thank you for just being transparent this morning. That was actually a really great start because it, it opens up it, it creates a genuineness and a realness on the call. It set a it set a tone. It set a tone. It set a tone. Um, so I thank you for that. That was really important. You know, I hate that. You know, I hate that it was. You know, it it was born out of your circumstance. You know, that part is. You know, I'm not happy about. But I'm just really appreciative that that you were transparent. Because as you are transparent, as you are genuine and real, it gives others permission to do so as well. So thank you. Mm, sure. So, <laughs> like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I wanted to start out this morning um, with two Bible verses, and I was going to do either or, but I was led to do both. And they're the same, you know, they're, Old faithfuls, they're ones, I think I even said one last week, but but it fits, and I was just led to do this again for the purposes of our call today. Um, so the first one, I'm going to read Psalms 100, and I'm sure we all know it, um, but I'm going to go ahead and read it. Psalms 100 is a song of praise and joy. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. And, you know, this this verse is so funny because I promise you that every Sunday for 20 years, Reverend Williams said the same verse, like, for two decades. That's why I know it by heart, because every time he preached, he always said this. And I, you know how it is when you're a kid, you just, know it like you memorize it just like the Star Spangled Banner and all of that because you hear it so much but you have no idea what it means and it's always interesting to me how as you grow, as you become an adult, things take on new meaning as you experience life and how all of a sudden one day you look up and, and you all of a sudden go wow, okay I really understand what that means and then you can go through you can go through something and you find yourself saying it. Like you don't even know that you know it. But you just say it. 
because you've heard it so much and now you're able to connect it to real-life situations. And so that's what this particular verse um, is for me. And it's so important because sometimes I notice, and maybe it's just me, it could just be me, you know, let me just talk about myself, that, you know, we talk to God a lot and we ask him for lots of things and we consult with him, but we don't always remember to praise him, to 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 thank and praise him, you know, be thankful unto him and bless his name. We don't always remember to, to thank him all the time for the things that that he's already done for us and the things that we are doing now. Um, sometimes we get caught up in our circumstances that seem so bleak and just so trying at the time, and we think of God as as our provider, which he is, our provider. Um, amen, my own self, I'm talking about me, um, is our provider. And we know that as we go through things that we can go to him and get the things that we need. He's promised us this and he's promised us that. And so we go to him for that, those reasons. But sometimes we forget to thank him. You know, I know as with children, you know, it's mom, you know, I need this, mom, I need that, mom, you're on a field trip, I need some money, mom, what are we going to have for dinner, mom, can I go on so-and-so's house? It's, it's mom, may I, can I, may I, can I, may I, can I? You know, and I don't know, maybe you all's children are different, but my, you know, sometimes when I stop and think about it, I'm like, when's the last time they said thank you? When is the last time they showed any type of appreciation for what they've already got or for the things that I've already done? Not that we're looking for it, but there needs to be balance because that makes a person humble. That brings about humility, and it opens up the doorway for more. And then to just praise him for being who he is without asking for things. So that's why that to me because I know that I myself do not do that enough. So, you know, as I said, it's, I don't know if anybody else kind of experiences that sometimes, but I know that I do. Um, anybody have any comments about that, about that particular verse? Does that speak to anybody? Anybody particularly fond of that particular passage of Scripture? Any, anything anybody want to say? Cricket. Okay. All right. No problem. So the next one that I want to go to is um, Psalm 1. And I feel like I may have read this last week, but God said do it again, especially in light of Wednesday scenes. From now on, I'm going to do that. The way of the righteous this is the first number of Psalms. The Way of the Righteous, and this is, um, you know, book one, first, um, verses one through six. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, 
and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. Where is that again? Yeah, what chapter is that? This is um, the first number of Psalms. So just go right at the beginning. It's the very first one. Oh, that's it. Proverbs. Uh uh, Psalms. I mean, when you're reading this, I, I, it just resonated with me. I guess I've read it. Of, I, I, anyway, I just I knew it when you was reading. Like, wow, I didn't mm-hmm. realize it that much, had, you know. Yeah, and you know what? It's, it's funny because just like Maya is not up, just like that other verse I was saying, like that, the you know, that minister read it like every single Sunday for decades, this uh-huh. one too is another one. Another minister read this exact same one. And I could I could rattle it off and all the kids would just say it with him. Mm. But it's amazing because nobody ever knew what it meant. And until I I I started reading, I went started reading through the Bible, just book by book by book. And I started with Psalms and um it was the first you know, then I went to Proverbs but it was when I read it again, I go, oh, my gosh, at this age of 40, it actually registers. It actually has meaning. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. I get it why that particular minister read it at the, at the exact time during the service that he always read it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so that's pretty amazing. But, yes, the first is right there at the beginning. Um, Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And so um, if if you all will bear with me today, um, there's a, I want to talk about this real quick. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Um, and then, you know, of course, feedback is always welcome. And then we're going to go into testimonials, and then I'm going to go into the actual lesson for the day, if that's okay. It's your world. Thank you. So um, let's take it verse by verse. Blessed is the man that walketh in the... First of all, let me let me explain why I even... Well, I didn't choose nothing. I was led to it, but why I believed that I was led to do this. Um, as I said before, we... I noticed just something that I've noticed just in general since I've started to go back to church regularly. Um, we do spend a lot of time talking about, you know, spiritual warfare and fighting demons and asking God for stuff, <laughs> you know, and singing. A lot of singing, a lot of singing, a lot of praying, and, you know, the devil going to do this and the devil is destroying that and all of this. Okay. But I noticed that we don't spend a lot of time teaching how to walk righteously, like what the Bible says about it, and how we can avoid getting in certain circumstances in the first place instead of doing things that are not in accordance with the, with God's laws. Um, and not keeping the code, you know, 
it's like we're more reactive than proactive because I'm finding that a lot that people don't know, like, you know, we have a big college ministry here, and, like, they don't know, like, people know the Ten Commandments and stuff like that. You know, you've heard those, you watch the movie, but but don't really know what they mean and then, you know, other other things besides that. So that's why I believe I was led to this as kind of an opener, like an opening discussion. So, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And, you know, counsel, when you seek counsel, um, you know, like a, counsel, a counselor, it, a counsel was just in the company of, right? So blessed is the man who does not walk in the company of the ungodly, who does not um, seek advice from the ungodly, who does not go to the ungodly with godly matter, expecting instruction, if that makes any sense, expecting direction. So yeah. if you... Sir? Go ahead. I'll let you finish. Okay. So if you are, if your goal and your desire is to walk and live a godly life and to walk in accordance with, you know, God's laws and what he will have for you to do, um, there are certain adjustments that that we have to make in terms of even the company that we keep in terms of um, who we tell things to, especially when it comes to God. So, so for for an example, because I work best with examples. So, for example, um, you know, you have somebody who's having marital problems, right? So the man, we'll just say it's a man, since they say man. A man is, is having marital problems, and, you know, what should I do? You know, like I really need to talk to somebody about what to do. I don't, you know, I'm I'm stuck and I'm having these thoughts and these temptations are coming into my head and my flesh is being tempted and the secretary is fine and she works late to 8 o'clock every night and everybody else leaves at 5 and, you know, wow, I'm really being tempted. And so, you, t- you know, that man has cousins you know, guy cousins around his age um, who he wants to talk to about this because he does need counsel. So you got your one cousin who is, you know, in the Word, who, notice I didn't say go to church because a lot of people go to church, but who's in the Word, who's really trying to live a godly life, who, you know, really studies, who really um, is trying to do what thus says the Lord and who is learned in the scripture and all of those things. You have that cousin. But then you got cousin um, Ray Ray, you know, who ain't trying to go to church. He's not about that life. Like, he's just, you know, a whole hot mess, right? He just believes that you just do whatever you do, you know. So you go to one cousin, you're going to get, you know, what you need to um you know, pray about that, go into meditation, fast about it, um, ask God to lead and direct you, um, ask God to to come in and um, clean your mind, clean your spirit so that you can um, control the flesh and, you know, all of that type of advice. But then, you know, you got the 
the other cousin who's going to be like, man, if she ain't giving you none, then you go get it wherever you go get it. Because that's her job as a wife is to do so-and-so. And if she ain't doing that, then well, then you go get it where you can. You know, as a godly man, you, you have to be, or woman, or woman, you have to be prudent about whom you go to for um, advice or for direction. And and in that, you have to be careful about the company that you keep as well. Sam, you were going to say something? Yeah, it's pretty much in line with what you're saying. It's a different scenario, um, though. Okay. Um, I had an opportunity, which at times I think I could have done differently, but um, an opportunity to do something regarding my building, which wasn't totally kosher. But it could have okay. could have gotten me out of, you know, okay, quote, unquote, I believed or I perceived it could have gotten me out of the financial situation that I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. And I chose not to do it and to keep on going, which, again, I question at this journey. But, um, you know, after I chose not to do it, and it was later on, you know, I, I don't know if it was doing a call or whatever, but it was revealed to me if I had done that, I would have walked out of my covering. Ah. You know, and see, it's one thing when we're going through with God and we're covered by God, but it's another thing when we're going through and we're not covered with God. Right. You know, and right. and so so you keep that in mind, too, when we're, you know, when life is happening or whatever, because it gets hard. Again, Lord knows Jesus Christ and Nazareth gets hard. But... If you know that you, or you believe, because you might not know, and I say that that way differently, because you might be, you might be stuck and struggling or whatever, or you perceive or you believe that you are doing, you know, that your God is with you and you're walking that path, then you're covered. But when you're out of position, and I go back to David and Bathsheba, he was out of position when he sinned with her, he's supposed to have been actually on the war front, waging war, but he was on a rooftop back, rooftop basket in his ego. So when you're out of position, then you're not covered. And when you're not covered, then the enemy easily can get to you. You know what? That is that is really true. Um, and I'm, that's a really great example. Get up, Maya. Come on now. That's a really great example because um, you're, you're close. I I learned like there were there was a time when um, I was in you know not where I am now <laughs> put it like that not where I am now and um, you know sometimes when you're out of position as you say. You don't even realize you're out of position because you you you're so far oblivious, <clears throat> you know that you don't even recognize that you are out of position. Yep. Like you you really don't because desperation gets a hold of you. You start losing your way. You start losing sight, and you don't even realize some of money that you are out of position. Okay, and so. The enemy will use that desperation, use your your circumstances to try to, you know, to trip you up, 
because we know that, you know, desperation clouds judgment. It can cloud judgment. And so, um, you know, like I said, you'll still use that opportunity to to um, use your desperation um, against you, especially if you're out of alignment. And so then in your desperation, you look up and you are not in the counsel of the godly. You're in the counsel of the ungodly because that's when you start meeting, you know, people that you're getting invited. Oh, I know how you could get in that situation. You know how people know a guy? I know a guy. <laughs> you know, like uh, what when they show like the mob movies and stuff like that, like the Italian person's like, I know a guy. I know mm. a guy. You got that problem? I know a guy. They right. always know a guy, but it's usually not um, legal or wholesome. <laughs> Ow. And, and so you look up and in your desperation, you are doing things and you're not thinking about the consequences. And if you're not in tune with the Holy Spirit, Lisa, because this was me like 10, 15 years ago, I mean, oh, Jesus. Um, if you're not in tune with the Holy Spirit, then you're not connected with with him. So even if he does try to tell you or warn you, uh-uh, you know, red alert, red alert, out of alignment, red alert, not the counselor, you're not even going to pick up on it. You won't even pick up on it. He forgot his one. So, um, you know, and then if if who you're keeping company with, and this is why I said that we have to be <laughs> we have to be really careful and take inventory of who we are keeping who we are keeping company with. Because if you are keeping company with someone who is not of the house of God, so to speak, then you have an even greater likelihood of doing something that is out of order because that person or those people will present you options or present you with ways of solving the problem that are not in accordance and aligning with God, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So the point of what I'm saying is that when you are not walking in the counsel of the godly, or let me back up, when you are walking in the counsel of the ungodly, um, there there is a much greater likelihood that you're going to get yourself in a world of trouble, especially if, you are not um, in the place where you are hearing from the Holy Spirit because then you won't be strong enough to say no and you won't be able to hear him clearly, the warning bell. You know, that makes sense. You know, even though this isn't a business call, I, I, I understand that exactly also from a business perspective because it's a common uh-huh. in this industry and actually in business as a whole. Um because what so happens, you, you get money coming through your hand and you think you're making money and, and you're really not when you look at the time and the energy and the effort. And, uh-huh. and 
that's another tactic. And see, that's why it's important that you have mentors, somebody who's on the other side or, or, or have done what you're doing, so they can kind of tra- teach and train you. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. also, and which is the same thing as like your, you know, your circle of influence, because you know, you you, you like it's, it's hard to that's a tactic of the enemy because it's hard to think clearly when you're getting your butt whooped. You know, and, and you're definitely well. give me this because I need it, and you need the right now to give me the the fix right now. But you don't realize that it's it's only temporarily, and in actuality, in the longer run, it's gonna you know keep you where you at or put you even further down. Mm-hmm. It's you know, like I say, even though this ain't the business card, it 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 applies to that as well, and mm-hmm. and and it's and it's hard, and that's the thing when you when you're like you say, you're desperate, you're hurting, you're, you're whatever, and I, give me, give this to me right now because I need it. But you know, to say no because it's mm-hmm. gonna only keep you and keep you in bondage or make you worse. It's hard, and so it, mm-hmm. it's 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 not an easy scenario. No, and you know, it, it reminds me of like payday loans and stuff like that. You know, like the quick fix, and it's okay um, to talk about business. That's what this on Wednesday. It's the get what we need day. It's because this is real life. This is the day that we that we talk about. Um, you know that people are free to say whatever. You know, if it's about business, fine. If it's about home, fine. If it's about school, fine. It's it's we need to talk about this stuff because this is where we are. It's reality Wednesday. <laughs> it is what it is. And we know we said so many times that it all ties in. It all ties in. You know, everything ties back to the word. Every it, it that's what it is. It's just you know you take it and you apply it to real life. You know, and it and it it is applicable to all of us. Some things are the same, but then there's some things that are different based upon where we are in our circumstances. So it's it's totally fine. Um, you know what? What I thought about when you when you two were were speaking. Um, and like with the instant gratification and, and how when you're in a low place and the, you know, and that's when you're like prime, um, you're ripe for the, for the enemy, um, are the drug dealers, the young ones, you know, because a lot mm-hmm. of times they are, you know, they're looking for a quick buck, mm-hmm. you know, um, perhaps, you know, um, the situation at home where, you know, uh, people, the adults aren't working or they're working, but they're not making a lot of money. And, you know, with, with kids, they, you know, they want to dress like their friends. They want to, um, you know, like have money in their pocket and, and that. And so they um, become targets for the older dealers to, you know, to get caught up in that mess. And they're not thinking about um, down the road. You know, and then next thing you know, you got this 16-year-old who's making, you know, a, a couple thousand dollars a week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so now how are you going to tell him to or her to go to school and, um, you know, get good grades so they can go to college and mm-hmm. so they can get a job where, you know, um, they're not even going to be making, you know, like a fraction of that, you know, like in the beginning because they're not thinking long term. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not thinking slow and steady. You know, yeah. they're like, shoot, why should I waste, you know, another six or seven years trying to make this type of money when I'm making it now? And especially at mm-hmm. that age. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
and they think that losing their life is even worth it. They don't. They don't. They don't. They don't have that real great. They don't value. They don't have a. They haven't lived enough, so they can't understand it enough. Mhm. You know, and unfortunately too, on what you said, I'm gonna I'm say this. I'm gonna let you get back, but unfortunately too, because of all the video games that are played the way that they're played now, you know, they think you're killing like a video game, and they don't see the the totality of really when that's happening. So it's it's not as it's not as deep as the things it used to be to them. Mm-hmm. That's why I be saying our youth need the prayer. Huh? I said that's why I be saying our youth need prayer so so badly. But it even goes yeah. deeper. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Good morning. It even goes deeper because they don't um they don't value life, you know, the way we were taught to value life. Mm-hmm. You know, they they see life as, okay, I got up this morning, and that's all I got, you mm-hmm. know. And so they just kind of, whatever I can do today, that's what I'm going to do. You know, so when you when you talk to a lot of them, they don't even see themselves getting out of teenage. They don't even mm-hmm. see themselves going to college. They don't see, they don't see a future. So mm-hmm. if I don't see a future, then I'm going to live for now and be done. Because this homeboy got shot last week, and this one is locked up. So what kind of, no. So so the enemy has taken hope out mm-hmm. of, from in front of them. They have no hope. So and, and, and the thing is, when somebody has no hope, they don't care. They don't exactly. have records. You know, hey, well, mm. I, I get up every day for what? You know, I, I want to value your life for what? There's no hope. So if you die, so be it. You know, so yeah. So we they do they do need prayer because they don't they don't see the hope of. I mean, even even when you talk to kids that's growing up growing up in the church, some of them don't even have hope. They're just like, okay, well, you know, the the and only thing I see is whatever. You know, so it's kind of, kind of sad. It's, it's, you know. You know what, Felicia? And when you say that, and the word I, I talked about the other day, um, faith is the things hoped for. So if, if, if faith is the evidence of things hoped for, so in other words, if they have no hope, hope is before faith. So they definitely don't have any faith. Exactly. Right. Because what are they having faith in? They don't believe that there's anything better coming. Faith in what? You know, hope hope is, and that's why I say Most all of the time that it's whatever. It, it, right, it's whatever, it's whatever, because you know they they hope has been, and that's that's why the enemy, and we always say this, that the enemy is man when he goes for the jugular. I mean, when he just is ready to wipe you out, he's like, forget this, we just not gonna prolong this, we just gonna get it in is when um, he tries to take away our hope because hope, you know, um, you know, hope is what tells us or makes us believe that there is something better coming than what we got right now. Oh, Jesus. Ooh, hope is, is what we hold on to. Mm. People, I mean, think about people in prison. Excuse me. People in prison—that's all they got. If they give up hope, 
people who who um you know those people who like their ship like they might be out on the ocean and the ship sinks or their their boat capsizes and they're like on the raft. What keeps them from dying? What keeps them from just jumping in the water saying, "Forget it, sharks, eat me up"? No, they have hope every day that we're going to get rescued. They're going to get rescued. Days go by, weeks go by. Sometimes they have nothing to drink. Their flesh is rotting away. The sun is tearing them to pieces. But they keep hope because hope, man, listen, hope is it. Hope is the foundation. Hope is everything. The belief Mm -hmm. that something better is coming. The belief that it's going to get better. The belief that everything that you're going through right now, no matter how horrendous it may seem, that it's all for an end, that it will all work out that it all will yield in the end what it's supposed to yield. That's what hope is. But if you take that from anybody, if you take hope away from anybody, they ain't got nothing left. Mm. Because then what's it all for? Because hope is directly linked to purpose of life, to value of life. And if you believe that this moment is all you have, and that there is nothing better coming, then you have just lost your very reason for living. Mm-hmm. And you know what? And that is um, the adult's fault as well. And it also ties into, like, with, um, the current situation and how every when you talk about transparency, because whether or not you want to be transparent other people can make you transparent with all the cameras that we have now. And so when you, you know, as, as a child and you're, you know, let's say for the ones that, that are going to church and they're being told and, and, you know, hopefully taught certain things, but then when they look at the adults, okay, and they're, you know, seeing uh-huh. how they're behaving, then it's like, well, well, wait a minute, what is all this garbage that you're telling me? That you are, because if you think about it, you know the things that are going on, uh, the ratchetness, if you if you want, um, was occurring when we were growing up, also. Okay, but because of how we were raised, you know, children were children. Certain things weren't talked about when we were in the room. Um, you know, there, there was a lot of things that were like hidden from us to allow us to, to be children, to to have that innocence. Okay, that now children don't have, so they know you know, that, that sister so-and-so, you know, swings on the pole. They know that, you know, deacon so-and-so is, is messing around with three or four women in the, you know, in the congregation. Um, there's, there's nothing um, hidden. And so they don't have, um, how, how can you talk to them about hope and, and, and that, that something better is going to come when they're looking at these people like, is this show supposed to be better? You know, this person's divorce, you know, he's got three alimony payments or, you know, this person has, you know, six children by five women or five children by four different men or whatever. I mean, their 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 hope, their faith, their, their even sense of respect, they have no foundation for it because the people that should be giving it to them, you know, and not saying that, that none of us, you know, that any of us are perfect, but... Um, not only do we make the mistake, but then we don't own up to it either. And when I say we, I'm talking about collectively. 
you know. I mean, because it's one thing if you make a mistake and you sit your child down and you say, you know, I know you realize that, you know, mommy did this, that, or the other, but that wasn't right. Mommy shouldn't have done that. And this is how it affects mommy and how it could affect you and the family and so on and so forth, and I want better for you. And this is sort of, we talked about this a little bit in the, the mastermind call um, about taking accountability and, like, when you talk to your children, <coughs> excuse me, instead of just saying, no, don't do that, but to actually, you know, to explain to them why they, why they shouldn't do that. And so that comes into the accountability of our actions as well because we're going to make mistakes and children are going to see us making those mistakes. But if we never acknowledge them, if we never talk about them, if we never explain them and talk about the consequences of that mistake, what is the, ch- what is the child learning? And then they end up doing the same thing or worse. And if you can't tell them, you know, you shouldn't have done that because they look at you like, you've done it. That is so true. That goes back to that that pot roast story. Well, why do you do that? Well, I saw my mama do it. Exactly. And I saw my grandmama do it, you know. Yeah, true. True. That's crazy. Wow. You said that's crazy. I mean, and it's hard to admit, you know, a mistake, and especially, you know, to a child because, um, you know, children are supposed to look up to, to you know, their parents and grandparents and, you know, aunts and uncles and, you know, older siblings, so on and so forth. But if we think in the broader picture about how much more of an impact this will have on a child if um, if we can, one, acknowledge the mistake that we made, and then to explain it, you know, mm-hmm. to the child and allow them to ask questions, you know, and, and and deal with, you know, with that pain, with that embarrassment, you know, or what have you, in the long run, your child is going to have some respect for you. Yeah. But you know what, Pam, here's the thing. The parent has to know better. And that's exactly. the issue. That's one of the issues that we have. The parents, don't, they don't know any better. Like, they don't even realize that what they are doing is out of order because their mama did it. Sometimes you know, they don't then, realize. Well, but come on, if, you, if you're an adult, you, you know, some things you're doing, you know you out of order. Well, yeah, well you know what I was going to say? Problem, if, no. I was going to say, like, if it's a way of life, right. and right. that's, you know. Like they and say, that's what you know, they do. Yeah, people in Cabrini Greens. That's you know, that's what that's how they know. Outside of Cabrini Greens, it's a whole other way. You about ready? So that that's what they. So to them, it's just like okay, people in jail having sex with each other. That's the way that they don't consider it homosexuality. If you ever talk to them, they they know that's what we do. So to them, it's not wrong. This is just how we. This is how we live. Not to get by. Right. Trying to get by. <laughs> What? Okay, I'm sorry. One on you. Trying to get by, trying to get by. That, I yeah. mean, that was because I've heard that. That's. I mean, everybody has. The thing is, we always come up with even with the thing. But I, 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 I kind of, I kind, I agree with Pam on a lot because what happens is, even though we know it's wrong, we still find a just, just like even now they they find a, they find an excuse or. Yeah. 
they they explain it so that okay, it makes sense to me because of the way I'm explaining it to you. So therefore, now it's not, there's nothing wrong with it because by my logic, you know, it's it's okay. So let me oh, explain. Yeah. Let me explain. You know, and if you don't get it, that's your fault, my, not my fault, because based on you know my life and my lifestyle and you know and my situation, it it works, and everybody else is doing it. You know, and I used to hate that. Well, if everybody just you know you know how the parents used to say, if everybody fell off the cliff, would you jump off the cliff? It's just like. It's, it, but and now it's a relevant statement. If every just because everybody else is doing it and you know it's wrong, why would you follow suit? Mm-hmm. You know. But we make the excuse like, well, you know, that's all I know, right? You know, and it's um, y'all got to be. I'm going back on mute. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, sometimes, like I know for me, you know, there's been things that I've done um, that. You know, my daughter, I'm talking about my oldest daughter now because, you know, I'm I'm saying again, but not no crap or nothing like that, but, you know, things that I've done that um, my daughter, you know, she didn't know that I did them, but she, you know, experimented around and did some stuff. And I told her just because I did, so, you know, and I'm, I try to be as upfront as I can. You know, just because I may have, you know, dibbled and dabbled in whatever or I may have experimented with, with whatever doesn't mean that I'm going to tell you that it's okay to do it. It ain't right. And no, it's not okay. And these are the reasons why you shouldn't do it. And this is what it could lead to, you know. So we don't even, and see, that's that thing that church folks try to do, acting like we ain't do nothing, acting like, you know, folks that never try weed or, you know, didn't never try to, get, you know, get down with a couple of dudes or chicks or, you know, didn't ever drink before they were 21. You know what I'm talking about? You got to be 21. We didn't do that. Yes, you did. You know you was 19 in college trying to sneak a drink, getting the older people to get a drink for you. You know, we try to act like we ain't do nothing. And then what happens is these young people ain't stupid. And then when, and I've seen it happen before my very eyes. The The son or the daughter, the child finds out that you did so-and-so and such-and-such, and they look at, at a parent a totally different way because now they're like, you lying hypocrite. That's why we got to be honest with your kids. That's one thing I said. My daughter, mm-mm. I, I had the conversation with her about some things because I started to notice some things. And I don't care if I did it. I don't care if you know, whoever, auntie, cousin, whoever did it, it don't make it right. And I'm not going to tell you that it's right just because I did it if that makes any sense. We have the responsibility to lead our children down a better path once we know that what we did was foolishness. Now, are they still going to try certain things and do certain things or, you know, run with people they probably really shouldn't? Yeah, because kids are, you know, rebellious by nature. They want to experiment. They want to find out for themselves. And so we can't control what they do 24 hours a day. But we do have the the biblical, ethical, and moral obligation to tell them the right thing and what does say it the Lord. You know, now, whatever they do when we're not around, we can't, you know, that's, that's for God to, to watch over them, you know. But pretending like we all perfect and all of this right here, that's the best way to make sure 
that the kids rebel. Because kids can, I man, first graders can smell hypocrisy a mile away. Give look, tell little Johnny he can't have, you know, he can't go to the bathroom or sit next to who he want to sit next to during rug time. But then tell Shanika that she can. I guarantee you, Johnny gonna be all over you. Cause they notice stuff like that. They watch. They really do. That's why anytime you're in a position where you are influencing young folks, whether it's, you know, your young people, your own children or somebody else's or in the school or, you know, if you're a counselor, social worker, whatever, that's an awesome responsibility. You gotta you gotta walk the walk. You have to, because they notice everything. Just like God notices everything, they notice everything. Breakfast. Get some breakfast. What? So. Just, okay. So I guess. Well, <laughs> that was an hour long conversation. Though that wasn't even a whole verse. <laughs> That's all right. Do you all realize that wasn't even a whole verse? That was the first sentence. That's cool. That's a beautiful thing. <laughs> I mean, something was. No, seriously, because that means that something was stimulated. That it, it struck a nerve, and that's that's a beautiful thing. Um, okay, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of scornful. Okay, so we're just going to go to the second, because the first verse, we kind of went through it there. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. we got five minutes. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, um, do as he meditate day and night. So I think that's kind of self-explanatory. Um, you know, you just, your delight, your your happiness comes from you want to do what's right in the eyes of God and follow follow the code, keep the code, follow the rules, okay? And in his law, does he meditate day and night? And I think that that's, you know, important because, um as we become more familiar with his expectations of us, then after a while, if we have the sincere desire to to follow the law and keep the code, then we will constantly be mindful of what we are doing, you know, as we make decisions and as we do things. And even when we get ready to do something that is out of order, then we'll think twice about it because we are meditating on what it is that we are supposed to be doing, you know, the right thing. And he shall be like a tree. And if at any time you guys want to comment on something, just, you know, jump right in. Just let me know. You know, just do a a shout-out and cut me off because, you know, we want to hear everything you have to say. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That now this part right here, man, man, this part I'm about to say. This whole verse, verse three, just screams and hollers and jumps up and down at me. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. All right, now I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read this again. I want you all to listen very, very carefully. 
And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. What does that mean to you all? Does any does that speak to you all? Does that speak to anybody in any particular way? Because I know what how it speaks to me, but I'm interested to know if that speaks to anybody in any type of way. Mm-hmm. And you hear that. Well, what it says to me, if you're planted by a river and you're a tree, that means whenever you get thirsty, you have a place to get water. You've got a place to get fed, so you shall not die of thirst. You know, in other words, talking to me and trusting, that's, again, that's where I'm at, that God is going to give you whatever you need. You have a never-ending supply. Oh, you know, trees need water. They need trees need water and minerals from the ground in order to grow. Mm-hmm. And that's why their roots grow go so far and go so deep because they're looking for water. You can have a tree in your house and the roots might go three houses down because it's seeking water. So if it's planted by a riverbed where water is at, then it's got a source of water never in its supplies unless that riverbed dries out. Hmm. That's excellent. That's real. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That's excellent. Anybody else? Anybody else? Does that speak to anybody else in any kind of way? Here, watch your face. Could you read it again, please? Yes, ma'am. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. I'm just going to stop it right there, and I'm going to read the rest of it in a minute. Just that part right there, those first, um, that first complete sentence, Sam, thank you for that idea. That was that was very good. That was very poignant, actually. Does anyone else have anything to strike them about that? What about the season part? Okay. And that's, you know what, and that's what I was getting ready to say. Because you're right, trees are very interesting. They're going to get what they need. Like you said, the roots will grow whichever kind of way because they know the water's there. You know, they know that their source of survival is there. They know it. And they're going to, those roots are going to go wherever it is that they need to go to get what they need. And then the, the part that says that bringing forth his fruit in his season. And I'm... Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Who's that? I'm sorry, that was me. My bad. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but just, huh? What? Just eat, Maya. Come on, man. Sorry, we got some old third-grade foolishness. Um, you know, the part that says bringing forth his fruit in his season, and I just, the first thing I noticed was his, like ownership. Right, because his is a pronoun, um, a pronoun, a possessive pronoun of ownership. And the thing that spoke to me was his fruit and his season. And that goes directly to purpose. We're always talking about purpose and how our purpose is not a one-size-fits-all. It's unique. We're unique. And he has something different and special for each of us. We all have our own walk. We all have our own set of experiences. 
He uses us all in different ways. He shows things to us, reveals things to us in different ways, unique to who he called and made us to be. And so that's why it says his fruit and his season. Everybody is not supposed to to bear the same fruit. I mean, there are some fruit that we're supposed to bear, like he wants us to all love one another and have joy and peace. And we know that, but there are certain fruits that are unique to us individually, which is why it says his fruit in his season, your fruit in your season, your fruit in your own God-ordained season. When it's supposed to happen for you, what God has for you when he has it for you in the way that it's supposed to manifest in your life according to his purpose for you and your divine calling and assignment and destiny in him, you in particular. And so for all of us, you know, our seasons are even different. Everybody's season is not the same. Everybody doesn't even go through. It's like different types of fruit. You know, apples have a different growing season and um, harvesting season than grapes, which, you know, are totally different from bananas. And they even grow in different climates. You know, you get apples in colder. You know, apples can, can thrive in the cold. You know, Washington State apples, Michigan, here in the Midwest. It's cold here. That's their That's their climate. That's where they grow. But if you take an apple and you try to grow it down in Puerto Rico somewhere where it's tropical, where the weather's warmer, it's not going to make it. The same thing with tropical fruit. Pineapple's not going to make it growing in New York somewhere or or, um, citrus fruit, oranges. It's too cold. It's too cold. So it's, 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 it's unique to the fruit it is. Like where where your season is, where you grow, um, how long that season lasts, what happens during that season, the care um, that the fruit needs, all of those things are contingent upon the type of fruit it is that he has that for you for you to bear. And so that's that's one thing that we have to remember because I know sometimes it seems like we look and we're like, man. Somebody said this to me, a good friend of mine actually said this to me about maybe three or four weeks ago. And now that I think about it, somebody else said it too. I shared it with Sam about six months ago. You know, it seems like I'm just struggling and I'm struggling and I'm struggling and I'm struggling, you know, and it's so hard. You have some of that in your lunch and it's so hard, you know, man, no matter what I do, it just seems like, you know, it's always a setback, and no matter how much I keep clawing, and I'm doing the right thing, and I'm trying to follow God's word, and I'm contributing, and I'm going to the church and volunteering, and I'm paying my tithes faithfully, and I'm doing all of these things. But it seemed like other folks, they just got it so easy. You know, it seemed like they got good husbands, good wives, good jobs. They ain't never got to struggle for nothing. Everything seemed to come so easy. They're driving these nice cars. They live in a big old house. The kids act right. You know, they can go on vacation whenever they want to. It just seems like God is just smiling on them all the time. Like like a June Cleaver story. But I know they ain't right. I know he cheating on her. She cheating on him. I know they cheat on the taxes. He embezzling. That's how they got that stuff. Da, 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 da. You know? And 
and, and she said it just does not seem right. Then what's the point of me doing the right thing? Because it seems like doing the wrong thing and not walking um, in the counsel of the godly and walking in the counsel of the ungodly, is, it seems like that's how you seem to get blessed. And so we're looking at somebody else's season and somebody else's fruit when we're doing that because we don't know we don't know what their season is. We don't know what God has for them. We have to focus on our own fruit and our own season, which is why it says bring it forth his fruit. And when it's time, when it's time for the harvest of your fruit, when it's the end of your season, then things will happen accordingly. Things will happen accordingly. Things will happen in accordance with the way God meant for things to happen in your life. And I think that that's something that we all have to be reminded of because I know we all get frustrated when it seems like things are going so smoothly for other folk. And, and you know, we always say, you can't look at other people. Don't look at what's – it's hard not to do that when it's in your face. I mean, let's be real. Maybe I'm tripping. But it's hard not to do that when it's right in your face and when you know what other folks are doing. You know? But you know what the thing is, though, at the end of the day, when you're <clears throat> going to the verse that says you break forth fruit in his season, it's like you, <clears throat> when we look at other people and how they're, it seems like their season, their season is continuous. We never know, but then, like, further down the line, it just seems like everything around them falls apart. And so we're still looking at that instantaneous. We're looking at the the the, um, the facade of a good season, but it also it goes back to that scripture where Christ was um, looking at the fig tree from afar off, and it was not in season, and it wasn't bearing the fruit the way it was, and so that thing was cursed. A lot of times we see people, and it seems like, and I'm not saying everybody, but some people we, we try to compare ourselves to, and it's like, why is it that they, like we said, they always have, seem to have it together. They're always doing this. They're always doing that. And, like, even, like, the ones that you know aren't living right, they are still got their thing. Look, like they still got everything together. But at the end of the day, when you see, like, I was looking, just for example, I was looking at something last night, you know, the, the world, you know, the Biggest Loser show, and they followed some of the contestants six years later. And... They lost the weight out of season because they lost it so fast. All of them, out of all, all of those people that they followed up for later gained all of that weight back and then some. So it's like if what God has us going through our season slowly, he lets us see, okay, you know what? If, if whatever he builds will last, but if we if – we, if we harvest ourselves out of season, then we have to suffer the consequences because that means whatever would have been produced if we stayed in the ground a little while longer, if we let him prune us a little while longer, it would have been better than what we see. And, I mean, even if, even if we look at our youth, they want they, – they see their – like we were talking about a few minutes ago, they see their friends and everything, and they got the designer clothes, and they got this and that and the other. 
not knowing the understory. Where are their roots? Are their roots planted near a river or water, or is it planted in a desert? And it just so happens that their roots are really shallow. So now when a, a strong storm comes, they're blown over, whereas you're, you're planted near water and your, your roots are strong. You might not be in season. Your fruit might not have come up, but when storms come, you're not blown over. You just kind of sway in the wind, and you don't bend. You might bow a little bit, but you don't bend, and you're able to continue on. And so that's the difference between being planted near a river of water and waiting for your season and your fruit and and not. And I'm going back on you. <clears throat> that's really good, Felicia. Does anybody have anything they'd like to say about Felicia's comment or anything else before we move on? I thought that was, that was really awesome. No? Okay. Let me get back over here. His leaf, oh, this is exactly what Felicia just said. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So that's exactly what Felicia just said. And you're planted by the rivers of water, and you're moving in according with your season, then it will be blessed. It will be blessed. At least you're not with it. It will be blessed with abundance. Okay. Now, see, Felicia, you're right on it, girl. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. So we know that, you know, they talk about separating the, the wheat from the chaff. The chaff is like the wheat, the part that can be used. And the the ungodly, um, you know, are, won't be blessed. In, in other words, they their tree they have um, what did you say, Felicia? Planted by the desert, the roots are planted by the the desert. They're, they're not able to get. They're, they're shallow. There's they're no shallow. Right. There's nothing for them to hold on to. Right. And so they're saying that the ungodly are in that situation. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. Now, here's what's so interesting. When I would hear that growing up, when the minister would keep saying it, in my mind, I was like, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. I thought, I thought everybody had to be judged. What do you mean they, they won't stand in the judgment? I thought the ones who were supposed to really be standing in the judgment. But then, of course, now, I understand what they mean. They will not stand, like, which means that they won't be able to survive the scrutiny, if you will. They, when it comes time for judgment, they will not have a leg to stand on. So that's, it's interesting how that one word has a double meaning um, spiritually, and I didn't get it when I was growing up. Um, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. So, you know, if you don't follow God's laws, then you will not sit amongst the counsel of the godly. For the Lord knoweth the ways of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So if you are striving to live righteously, if you're trying to keep the code, then he will acknowledge you. And it's just like, you know, um, when you got to go, man, yes. Walk in the, in the council of the righteous, Maya. 
Sorry, y'all. Like, um, he knows, you know, though, it, what that reminds me of is when that verse, and I don't, I don't know what it is offhand. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend like I know. But the verse where he says, you know, you cast out demons in my name. You've done all this stuff in my name, but I know you're not. I don't know you. Because if you were not otherwise walking righteously, and if you didn't do it for the right reasons, he won't even acknowledge you. All of the good thing, hurry up. You have five minutes. Run across the grass. He will not. He won't acknowledge you. It's like you didn't even do it. Like, I don't even know you, man. You know, performing acts and doing things because outwardly um, that's what you were supposed to do. But if you don't do it for the right reasons and, and if you don't do it in accordance with him, then it won't be acknowledged and you shall perish. Does anybody have any final comments about this? Going once. <laughs> Comments going twice. All right. Amen. May the Lord add a blessing to the hearing and reading of his word for the edification of our souls, saints. Right. I'm energized this morning. I don't know about you all, but I'm energized this morning. I'm energized in a way that I haven't been in, in a few weeks. Um. I'm feeling, I'm feeling really good. Shifting is is what is what it's about. It's shifting. It's a shift of of the mind. It's a shift on perspective. It's a shift on the view. Because anything that happens to us can be seen in more than one vantage point. When you didn't you bring up the movie Vantage Point the other day? I think when you brought it up, I was in a position where I couldn't comment. But didn't you talk about Vantage Point a few days ago, the movie with Forrest Whitaker? Yes, I did. Okay. I saw that movie, too, and it was really good. And so, you know, like he said, there's one incident that happened with the president of some country. Somebody shot him or whatever have you. But, you know, you got, I believe it was seven different people or five different people, five different, five to seven different um, points of view in terms of what happened that day. And in the movie, as he said, they show you the the incident from all those perspectives. And it really is a matter of perspective and how we choose to view things. I don't know if that's in the Bible anywhere or if there's anything in the Bible that that, you know, can be connected to that. I'm I'm sure there is because it's a universal concept. Um, <laughs> but it really is. It really, really is. And that's something that I've, that I've uh, been praying for. It's just a shift in perspective, a shift in view, a shift in, in um, how I choose to connect with things that happen. And so that's that's really um that's really important. I just want to sort of to put that out there as we all go through things and things are happening in our lives and things. It's just really important how we how we choose to look at it. But at this point I would like to open up 
the floor for testimonials. I think it's really important for us to talk about the things that God has done for us in our lives um, because that hope, we talked about what not having hope does. And so when we hear about the ways that God is moving in our lives and in other people's lives, that gives us hope so, so that we can see that he's still keeping his promises. Um, does anybody have a testimony they would like to share? It doesn't have to be that, you know, you won the lottery for a million dollars, just anything, no matter how small or big, any way that you've seen God shifting and moving. Maybe there's a change in in um, the atmosphere in your home or there's a change in your perspective on some things. Um, maybe he's delivered somebody. Maybe he's healed somebody. Whatever the case may be. Anybody like to share? I just wanted to share this one thing, which you just said. Um, when you brought up the the movie that's now and um, and something, I, I just just received a revelation, you know, because I, I, I just saw the movie the other day. And there is your point, and it's about the point of view. It's even though there are several points of view to one situation, there's only one truth. And what I like about this call is because we're actually tapping into the truth, which is the word of God, no matter what our points of view are, it's based off, you know, the truth stands on its own. And all we can do is relay the truth to our situations instead of the other way around. And so I really, you know, this... um, you know this call has real this this line, and my family on this call, y'all just you know, um, I've grown a lot, and I've seen a change in me that I didn't see five years ago. I didn't see three years ago. So it's like it's 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 awesome that this is this is the place where we can receive maturity. In our in a, you know in all three layers, spirit, soul, and body. So that's my testimony. Amen, sister. Amen, amen, amen. That encourages me. That really encourages me. But anybody else okay. like to share? I I have something. Good morning, everyone. It's Najima. <laughs> hey, girl. Good morning, sister. <laughs> I've just been listening and taking in everything. You know, um, I have been to the point where I just really wanted to give up, like, these last two weeks. Uh, my eye has been twitching. I've just been having a lot of, like, anxiety. And um, so that scripture today was, while I was getting dressed and putting my kids together and everything, it was just speaking to me, um, even though I couldn't, like, really speak on it because I'm trying to do what I need to do so I can get to class and all of that. But um, being planted is just uh, being rooted in, in what you know God has delivered you before from and, and and knowing that his promises are what they are. He promised to deliver us. He promises to take care of us. He promises to never leave us or forsake us. So it, it really spoke uh, to me and my situation today. Um, I mean, I, I just had a group of students that I took to, up to Northwestern um, for a uh, journalism conference, and 
um, we were at like a crunch time because, you know, SA hadn't paid for us to go and, you know, they got all these uh, strict regulations on what they can do, what they can't do. And these are things that are not explained in the bylaws. So if you don't know, you're kind of like messed up. Um, but what wound up happening was, you know, um, I was still able to take my group. And um, God just really worked it out. He showed up and he showed out. He just he just took care of that thing. And, and people to, uh, you know, to go and fellowship with other uh, aspiring black journalists. And um, so it was really an amazing time. And the students at Northwestern talk about their program like it's a person. You know, mm. Medeal is the school of journalism there, but it is the embodiment of what they're supposed to be learning there. You know, uh, mm-hmm. they 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 speak of Medill like it's a person. You know, here at Medill, we just you know they give us these tools. They show us how to do this. They make sure that we're at Medill and Medill. And I'm like, what is going on? We we don't even speak of NIU in that way. Like at NIU, we do this. No, it was more um, okay. The the program that I'm in, we do this. But it just gave me a totally different perspective of, you know, how we're learning from each other, what we are supposed to be doing for each other. And I'm just a little more encouraged than I was uh, before I got on this call because I was looking for inspiration just. (laughs) (laughs) So, y'all, no, I'm just, I got one week left of school and, Two of my classes are really giving it to me in, in such a way that I, I one class, I'm not even going to say what I think. I'm just going to let God take care of that because I, I do work. I got a tutor. You know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. doing what I'm supposed to be doing in that area, but it ain't it ain't looking too good. <laughs> mm. But, um, you know, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. Well, thank you for that, sister. I'm so glad that. And something told me. Something told me. That's all I'm going to say. Something told me. So I'm I'm just really, really glad. That was was Holy Spirit, you know, reaching out. I I, I can't even, you know, I've been going in the prayer closet and just sitting because I have no words. <laughs> no words. I, <laughs> I know we we've all been there, man. More recently than not recently. <laughs> Amen. So I know, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing that and for being transparent. Yes. And we're gonna put your class in prayer too. That that's gonna work Thanks. out because if you you've been doing all that you're supposed to do, you know if you is oh God we need you. I need you to fix it. But you know, sometimes we ask God to fix stuff, but we ain't done nothing. But if, yeah. you know, we know that that's not you. And, um, you know, we're going to go ahead. I have been perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, not perfect, but you I'm know. quite sure you didn't just sit there and didn't do anything. And oh, I was like, yeah. okay, yeah. God, you know what I'm saying? So we definitely will um, 
that will be in, uh, on the list. On the list. Felicia, can you remind me to put Najima's class on the list for today, please, ma'am? Or Pam? Whichever. Whoever. Both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Would anybody else like to share, share, share? Well, I will um I'll share. Um, Najima, because I wanted you to hear this. You still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. So I've shared this with people individually during the week, but I would like to, you know, just for anybody who may be on that I did not share this with. Um, I think most of you all know that you all know what happened with my job with the district and, you know, all of that foolishness and nonsense and, um, you know, my my crew, my squad helped me get through it. Um Constant reminders to see things the right way and all of that, and that's why y'all my squad. And we're going to get some T-shirts made, some basketball jerseys for our squad. But anyway, anyway, um, so I knew that I wanted to have this summer program, the Dream Project. I knew I wanted to do it. It was something I wanted to start in my classroom. I didn't get the opportunity to do it because, um, you know, I had to um, make some adjustments to my placement. We'll say it like that. So um, after I got over myself and after I got over the, the being depressed and being sad and shocked over what happened, um, I got my behind in gear. Well, my, my, my squad helped me get my behind in gear. Um, they yanked me out of that state that I was in, and I actively began to pursue a place to have the summer program. And so um, a good friend, um, Ms. Danita, you all know Ms. Danita, she's been on the line, she gave me a suggestion for a place to have the program, and it ended up working out. I had a meeting with them, uh, if today is Wednesday, Monday night, had a meeting, and everything worked out beautifully. So now I have a venue to have my program. Amen. Um. You know, and thank you. And it was just really awesome. And right now I'm just waiting on. Praise God. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It, it really, really is important to me to do this program for so many reasons because these kids really, really need it. Um, and so it was, it was monumental. And so the people at the place, they're just kind of working out a price. For me, I'm waiting to get the fee, the the, the rental fee, or whatever you call it, um, for to know, you know, how to how much to charge or whatever. So that's that. But here's here's what happened. I don't know how many of you. Well, many of you also know that I have been approached by parents for the past couple of years, really since I got here who were displeased with the system here to start an independent school, a school that kids go to independent of the DeKalb School District. And I was really touched by that because, you know, for parents to say that, that means that they trust you and that they believe in what you're doing, you know, because folks don't play with their kids like that. And so I was just so moved. I'm like, oh, my God, I just got here. You know, but I guess based upon what they saw and feedback from their children and so forth, 
you know, for the past three years, all I've been hearing is, when are you going to start a school? When are you going to start a school? When are you going to start a school? Are you still going to start a school? You need to start a school. And I'm like, man, I got bills. You know what I'm saying? I know how y'all do. I got bills. And then I said, well, I don't even have, where am I going to have a school? Like, where? Where in the cows am I going to have a school? So I went to the meeting on Monday. And one of the boards was at to meet with the board of directors. And one of the board of directors said, let me take you downstairs and give you a tour so you can see where your program will be held in case you need anything else other than what we offer here. You know, you'll know what the room is, you know, maybe we can get it for you. And I said, okay. When I walked down the steps and I hit the bottom, it's because the place is really just a big old house. You know, so I got to the bottom of the steps, and I was instantly, I mean, it almost knocked me down. I was instantly hit with this sensation that came over my whole body because I've been part of of an independent school before. I've done this thing before. We've been a part of this thing before, and I know it can happen because we did it. And the space looked like a smaller version of the school that we were involved with before. And all Revelation. of, man, it, I'm telling you, I was glad I was already at the bottom of the steps, so I probably would have fell down them. Like it was, mm-hmm. and all of the memories, all of the everything came flooding back, and I promise you, I just heard God saying, open up your mouth. Open up your mouth, open up your mouth. And so me, I feel like, I got bills, I need a check. <laughs> so I wouldn't do it. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. And so then I'm looking at my, and my eyebrow raised, and, you know, I'm looking and I'm going to the back. He said, let me show you the computer center that we're building. So it's like just a little bitty, you know, it's a little bitty space, but they're, you know, building a place for the computers and a new lab and all this. And I looked, and I just went really hard, for real, for real. I mean, it still smelled like fresh-cut wood, like, wow. Mm. And I go, I said, is this, this there's going to be new Yeah, we're getting new computers, too. I said, oh, boy. Oh, and I just kept, and they were talking to me, and I just kept sitting there going, uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah, the girls and boys' bathrooms are right here, though, for things that you have to have when you have a school. Yeah. And, you know, you have to have separate, here's the girls' bathroom, here's the boys' bathroom. Okay. <laughs> They're right outside the door, right? Oh. Okay. You know what, Lisa? I was just telling my sister, I was like, you know, if you don't move to Vegas, because my sister's trying to leave me, y'all, I'm just not feeling that either. Uh, okay. <laughs> but, um, I said, I really want to want to help start a school, like, you know, especially out here where, yeah, I was, when I say I just told my sister that, and she's really good at writing business plans, so I was like, can you help me? And she was like, Uh-oh. yeah. Oh, I said, okay. Oh, boy. Yeah. Now, I need you all to know that Najima and I go to the same church. So this ain't somebody who lives somewhere else that I got to go find in California somewhere. She, we see mm-hmm. her every week. She's serious right now? Are you serious right now? I'm actually, yeah. honey, we go to the same church. We see each other, yeah. what, twice a week when we both go to Bible class? Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
Well, you know, and I haven't we, been we, because of my classes, but well, yeah, yeah, typ- yeah, typically, yeah. And we've never had we talked about other things, but we've never had this conversation. So she's yeah. on the line today. I'm mentioning this, and now this is coming out. Girl, you know we're gonna talk. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay. I'm oh, trying to my keep God. my cool right now. I'm trying to be cool right now so I can keep going <laughs> with this call. Can, can I you know that? Nuh-uh.
Okay. Testimony, that is God. You cannot tell me that ain't God. Cannot tell me that ain't God. I'm going on mute. But you can't tell me that I'm ain't trying God. to, I, I just, okay. Confirmation, verification, all of that. Association, I, I'm going, I'm, I'm done. I'm going on mute. Mm-mm. Okay. I'm okay. 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 <laughs> you want to do a Sam number and play a song? Man, I ain't got no song. I'm a thing. I sing one. I just. Okay, I'm all right. I'm cool. It's cool. Woo, okay, I'm just seeing you with the story. What was that? Okay. Um. So we needed. So you also, you know, you need a place for lunch to serve lunch to the kids. He's on the tour. You know, I'm I'm all discombobulated, right? On the tour. He shows, you know, me the kitchen. There's a full kitchen there. Like, not no crazy-looking kitchen, like, with with the radiant stove and double ovens and all of this stuff like that. So lunch could actually be prepared in the kitchen for the students. Mm. There is another big boardroom downstairs, like a room off to the side, so if we needed to have, so we have a place to have meetings, administrative meetings and so forth, there's a place right there on site with a huge projector board and a big whiteboard. There's a big whiteboard built in down there already. Everything is right there. I said, so I finally opened my mouth I said, um, do you all ever rent out? Like, do you allow other people to use the space? I said, say somebody wanted to have a small school, let's say, for instance. And they go, <laughs> right now we're looking for somebody to rent out space because in the day, the school has been underutilized in the daytime for six years. Nobody's been in here for six years in the daytime. Wow. So for six years, and they said we, we have to, that's why we're trying to raise funds now so we can keep the place and keep the lights on. We're looking for somebody to rent. We would love it if somebody could rent every day. I said, you know, it'll be Monday through Friday. Was, yeah, that's even better. Wow. And I just I was I was done. I was done. Got Simon. There's man, there's a big gym upstairs, so the babies would have some place to have gym. Because you you have to they have to have some place to have gym. In the wintertime yeah. they don't even you know, they wouldn't have to go outside or anything because it's in the Hispanic neighborhood, it's really the Hispanic building, but you know, they wouldn't have to go outside. It's a huge gym. 
big enough for everybody to play. There's a stage if we wanted to have performances, bring the parents in. Everything we need is right there. Two more classrooms. They say, oh, yeah, you can even use the two. There's two more classrooms upstairs if you wanted to have the students in different classrooms. And I just went, oh, oh, my goodness. And the man was so excited. He said, all right, well, let's see how the summer program goes, and then we can try to build from there. If you, you know, do the summer program and see if you feel comfortable with the space, if you, if it works for you, then we can build from there. Let's start talking about next year. All right. And I just. Because the biggest issue was that I, I didn't have no, that was the excuse I was giving myself. Where am I going to have a school? Who? Where? Where? You know where to have it. I didn't even go there looking, they're talking about no school. I thought we having a program with some kids for six weeks. I didn't go there thinking about that at all. Never crossed my mind. Hmm. And so now, it's that moment. And I don't, I'm sure you all have probably experienced this before. I don't know, but this is really, for me, it's that moment. And once again, like Felicia said, once again, confirmation. Once again, I've placed this before you. Once again, what you going to do? What are you going to do? You're equipped to run a school. You know what to do. You have help. What you going to do? Expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. And look how he's putting other people in your path. Man. And have that same dream. My God. The parents of one of my students has been saying to me for the longest, if you ever start a school and you need somebody to work there, let me know because I am sick. I am sick of the matrix. I'm sick of it. I can't do it no more. Now, I can't, you know, we ain't going to be paying nobody $50,000 out the gate. But, you know, just the fact that people are, you know, do you know what's more important? I mean, actually, God's glory, number one. But you know what? what really has taken hold of me or what really was the biggest thing in all of this for me besides the obvious is people's willingness to stop, drop, and roll with me. Unquestionable. No questions asked. What do you need me to do? That hits me in a place that I can't even begin to explain. See, that's you touching people without realizing it. And I never knew. I never knew. I never thought. Sometimes, you know, when we have made mistakes or we question things that we've done or we ask ourselves why this and why that or I didn't... Why did I do that and I messed up? And, you know, we just think that, man, you know, have we really done good? 
but he has been showing me for the past three years, especially, like intensely in the past three years, that, not right now, later, that, you know what, you've done something right. You done something right. Something. And that's so important to me. Because it's encouragement to keep going. And I don't know, I'm sure you guys have probably felt like this, but it's man, this this is serious. Like I'm standing right on the banks of a river. I'm standing right on the threshold of everything I ever wanted in this moment. Mm. And it's I, there is nothing, nothing that I love more than educating people and motivating people. Nothing. This is exactly, I've been talking about this for years. Okay. I was a part of something like this before, and when, when you know, because of money and stuff, when it folded, I wanted nothing more than another opportunity, just one more chance. Let me figure out how to, you know, keep the money, just one more chance. But I need you all to hear me on something. Before when we had the building, one of the biggest issues was the rent, yeah, it was really high, and then we had to pay, you know, like, because we were the only ones in there. It was abandoned sort of a little bit before. And so we have to pay, you know, all the bills, the electric bills, the, you know, the gas like you had to pay everything. Like because it was an old YMCA building and it was just really, you know, it was cold. Like it was in St. Louis, it was cold in the winter and, you know, all of that type of stuff. But at this place, our, we don't have to worry about paying for light independently or heat. And everything will be included in the rental fee. Okay. Because it's like a house. It's not an old, like, abandoned place. It's, it's currently being used. So even the setup is better and more conducive. And I just, just, man... Man, I, I'm I'm having some trouble with my words right now. All righty then. So it's on to the next step then. Hello. Hey, fam. Huh? Why don't you pray for Lisa right now? Say what? Why don't you pray for Lisa right now? Okay. Father, I come before you this morning to pray for Lisa. To thank you, Father, for... But thank you, Father, for the blessings that she is receiving in her life. Father, for showing up and, and for showing up and showing out. Father, you know what is on her heart, what is in her heart. 
and you are answering her prayers in such a big way, more so than even she had thought about. She was thinking about the summer program, and (laughs) you may have answered the bigger dream, providing what it is that she needs to take the next step on this journey that you have for her. Father, we thank you for, for her obedience and for her being in the right place and doing what it is that she's supposed to do the way that she's supposed to do it and to be able to recognize the opportunity and know that it is you. Father, we continue to pray for her revelation, for her clarity, for her obedience. Father, we pray for health and wellness in her household. Father, we thank you for her contribution to this call. For this and so much more, Father, we just we just thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Sorry, I ain't mean but I you know, right after you just said, all right, we right when you said what's the next step, let's move on to the next step. The call my call dropped, my phone cut off for no reason. So that's because Sam asked me to pray for you. Mm-hmm. The phone, the phone cut off like right when you said those words and went paused and dropped. Now I didn't do it. The phone was on top of my Bible. The phone has been sitting on top of my open Bible at some all morning. I haven't touched wow. it. Wow. I had my Bluetooth in. Right when you said that, it cut it, and I said, "You know what? The difference." And thank you for your prayer, Pam. Thank you so much. You are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But see, the difference is between me now and me before is that I'm not going to let anything stop me. See, that's the difference. Before I was being lazy, before I was, you know, my mind was clouded with so much bull, you know, I was not walking in the counsel of the godly. I was walking in the counsel of the ungodly. So my blessings were being blocked. He was still keeping me, but my blessings were being blocked because I was not walking the way I should have been walking. So the enemy was having a field day, and I didn't even know because I was not in alignment. I was not in a position to receive my blessing, but I have repositioned myself. And so no matter what, I'm going to keep going. So whatever the enemy got up his sleeve right now, Whatever it is, because that's his job. I'm not mad, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stop. Let me ask you this. Yes, ma'am. Because this touches on what we were talking about earlier on the call. Okay, you were saying you were walking in ungodly and you hadn't realized it, and you you repositioned yourself. And we talked about how people don't always know that they're not. walking the way that they're supposed to walk. So how did you realize that you weren't walking right, and how did you reposition yourself? Okay, I will tell you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to be all manner of transparent. When I, before I, oh, my God. Hold on, I'm choking on the Peter and Mother Joe sandwich. I don't know, I eat them all day. <laughs> all day. Um. Before I came here, before I left the city, um, you know, I was I was doing all right, but 
um, there was a guy from, you know, I said, I'm done. You know, I'm just going to focus on my studies. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I ended up going out with this guy. I shouldn't have been doing it. And God told me don't do that. He told me don't do it. When the dude kept calling, you know, inboxing me on Facebook, God said, don't do that. Don't touch that. Don't do it. And I really had no interest. But you know how it is. Sometimes when um, we settle for things, mm-hmm. I was like a dinner can't hurt. You know, I'm in, I was in grad school. All I did was go to school and take care. Of, you know, I was like, I'm, you know, I'm a grown person. Like, there's nothing wrong with being social. But I knew, which is why the first time the person inboxed me on Facebook, you want to, you know, have a healing? No, because I saw the face and I said, that got demon written all over. Like, don't do yeah. don't touch that. Yeah. I mean, I saw it and it gave me <clears throat> chills. I said, don't. Touch that. Y'all say don't do it. Fine. A year later, I think it was two or three times, like the person was resistant. And I think maybe the third time, I was like, you know what, there's nothing. Because I was oh, the person's a good dad. He does his, you know, daughter's hair. We don't give dads enough kudos for being good fathers and blah, blah, blah. And this, this is not like some stranger. I knew this person from college. So I said, okay, you know, dog on Facebook. Watch that Facebook, people. So the third time, I said, there's nothing wrong with the dinner. Fine. Shouldn't have done that because I opened the door. So anyway, it's a year later, and I let's just say that I found out that the person was putting cocaine in my drink and so trying to get me addicted to drugs. Mm. Um, it, it, it ended up being the most bizarre, crazy, sordid, weird thing that I ever experienced in my life. It was the worst decision I ever made. And God told me, don't do it. See, that's the thing that's so funny. I can't, I couldn't be mad because he told me all three times, don't do that. Don't touch that. What I do? I did the message he way. So when that happened, I said, hmm, <laughs> very interesting. Maybe, just maybe, you ain't living the way you supposed to. Because who does that? I said, now we, my life is gone to them people trying to kill me? Like, what? Really? I said, maybe we need to reevaluate some things. Maybe we need to take a look at why God told you something and you knew he was telling you, but you didn't listen three times. Mm. No. The first two times I did, but then the last time I asked, well, yes. Maybe we need to take a look at why it is that, you know, it's suicide, then it's not for me. I wasn't suicidal, but my folk around you are sick, suicidal, acting crazy, you know, devastated. Like, maybe it's your black butt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let's take a look at your life. And I went to church with my mom and Mother Laura. And Mother Laura ain't no joke. You want to talk about a woman of God? I think she done been to heaven and back a, a few trips, and she is no joke. And I went to church, and I never believed in falling out and getting slain in the spirit. I was like, some people, man, gone. Like, quit faking. Like, on, on TV, Jerry Falwell and stuff. I'm like, oh, my God, how much did they pay you all to do that? Well, Miss Laura told me to come up to the front of the church. One Sunday morning, after I 
keep in mind, I had not been to church in probably 20 years. I would not go. I would not go. I would walk up to the door, walk away, walk up to the door, walk away. I would go back to church because I still held too much um, bitterness and resentment for what happened with my parents and the, and the fiasco that it caused. So I refused to go. And I went up there, and all I know, I walked up there, but I was carried back. I just remember opening up my eyes saying, what are these people standing over me? Mm. And ever since that day, it's been slowly but surely, slowly but surely, slowly but surely. But my life has not, that was three and a half years ago. And my life has not been the same because what happened was right after that, right after that um, is when few, because I graduated and I moved here. So I, within the course of maybe three months, I had moved here, three or four months I had moved here. And um, so when I moved, here, that's when it all started. That's when I would get awakened at 3 o'clock in the morning for no reason. Sam, no, I, I told him step by step why it was happening. I would get awakened at 3 o'clock in the morning, and without any thought whatsoever, my hands would just start writing sermons. I would look up and have six pages written and no clue where it came from. and didn't know what, I didn't know what I was writing until afterwards. And so I would read it and be like, oh, that's pretty interesting. That's when the vision started to happen. That's when I would hear God's voice in my ear saying things. And I know ain't nobody else in this house but me. And I'm awake. I'm lucid. I'm not dreaming. I'm not asleep. And I'm not schizophrenic this week. (laughs) And, And then consequently, I would hear. I guess it was demons or whatever the other force. If you walk in this, if you do this, if you help these people, I will kill you and everybody that you love. That happened the day before I gave, um, day before I publicly prayed for the first time in my life. Wow. um, I was asked, I don't, because I didn't publicly pray and public, none of that. The, the, that was the night before the next day at um, Bible class. So Bible class in New Hope was huge. Um, the minister asked me to pray, and I never prayed in public in my life. So there's been a series of one thing set it off. That day that I was obedient and I went to church with my mom when I told her, no, I was not coming. I came a little bit later anyway because I didn't want to disappoint Mama Laura. That day, whatever happened that day, changed the course of my whole life after that. And so that's when I came here. That's when I got my ministerial license. I started getting up, praying with that prayer group at 6 o'clock every single morning. That's when I started to really learn how to pray. That's when I started um, to learn about different demons and how the spiritual warfare is set up and all of that. Um, two years of, of intense study, and, and then I started calling in on the prayer line after that. 
then that calling in on the prayer line, um, moving forward. So it's been a constant progression, a constant progression, a constant progression. And now I'm here. What was the second part of your question, hon? I'm sorry. Because this caused me, and I'm glad you asked me that, because it caused me to reflect on my own journey, because I'm quite sure that this isn't the last time I'll be asked something similar. So I'm glad that you did, because, you know, it's good to reflect for your own self. Mhm. You know. I'm sorry. What was the other part of your question? Well, I think because I asked, how did you recognize that you were out of order, and then how did you reposition yourself? Okay. So I still think you answered both okay. parts. Okay. And 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 really, it was just. Let me tell you what happened. It was. I'm. I, yeah. I was. I knew I was out of order because. When it gets to the point where some crazy stuff like that happens, somebody trying to poison you, come on, man. Because when you're walking in the council of the godly, they ain't going to do that. This person was a straight-up demon atheist. What the hell was I doing mm. around somebody like that anyway? I didn't know it at the time. You couldn't have told me, you know. But really the repositioning happened when I started to really be around. Let me tell you this, Pam. I'm about to answer this as, as plain as I can, and this is the truth that I love right here, all right, because I don't want to tell a lie when the truth to do, Felicia. Um, the repositioning really started to happen when I came in contact with people who held me accountable. I've mm. never really been held accountable before because folks pretty much besides them has just let me do whatever the heck I wanted to do. I mean, they tried it. They tried to hold me accountable. I tried to, but, you know, sometimes um, when when you have certain people in your life who um, are, whose own lives are out of order and out of control, they can't make you accountable because they don't hold themselves accountable for anything. And so mm-hmm. then when you align yourself or when you keep company with people who are not in alignment and who are out of order, you're going to look up and be doing all types of crazy mess because you're going to be crazy, they're going to be crazy, all y'all are going to be crazy and going straight to hell. And so when I hooked up with my cousin's prayer line with that ministry where I got my license, they don't play that. It's all accountability. It, it, it turned out that that wasn't where I was supposed to to take my rest, you know, I wasn't supposed to stay there, but it helped a great deal mm. because I was accountable. I really started to see how my actions affected other people, you know, even at the school here. You know, um, I was around some folks with some sense, Pam. i never really been around a lot of people with some dead glass of sense. But I was around folks, and then he took me out of the chaotic Chicago environment, and he put me here. He took me out of that, and he put me here with myself so that he could work on me without interference. So I wasn't sitting in the house with suicidal people every other day talking about they're going to kill. You see what I'm saying? Okay. He took me out of all of that stuff. And so I was physically repositioned, I was emotionally repositioned, and I was spiritually repositioned all at the same time. Amen. 
All righty. And when I listen to you talk about that, um, you know, our, our, our big word comes up, process, um, <laughs> because you went through a process and, and it required work. Mm-hmm. And it took time. Mm-hmm. I age of, of instant gratification, um, people don't want to put the time in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> That's why I say, you know, it really is. And then mindset and choice has a lot to do with it. Until you choose, until you choose to change your mindset until there's a choice and a decision made mm-hmm. to open up, to open up your spirit, to be o- obedient, to um, look at things, you know, in different light, all of those things, and, and to allow people to hold you accountable because nobody can hold you accountable if you don't allow yourself to be held accountable. And right. And see the value in it and see why it's important. So it's, it's, it really was all decision choice, the choice I made to allow certain things to happen, the choice I made, even though I was afraid and and, um, had trepidation and was confused and didn't understand some things, I made a choice to be obedient and to trust, at least to the best that I could, you know, and and like you said, work, work is not something that I all, you know, I, I worked as far as going to school, I went to school well, I liked school. A lot. So I did that work. Always finished, always followed through. You know, I did work in little areas like that, but in other areas of my life, relationships and, you know, spiritual matters, I don't know. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing that. I wasn't doing that. Work, no. You know, like you said, patience and the time. <laughs> I don't know what I thought. I guess I thought it was just going to magically happen, but it don't <laughs> happen like that. So, like you said, once I made the decision to do the work and at least begin the process, you know, at least begin the process, that's when, you know, that's when it all, so like even now as we speak, I'm not going to sit up here and lie and tell you that, you know, it's not a little bit scary the thought of actually walking there that is not, I mean, walking in that path that is not, you know, scary when I know I can just go get a job and be guaranteed 55 a year. But I have to understand that certain things are so much more than that, than just about that. You know, there's a purpose and a calling on each of our lives that we as spiritual people are obligated to walk in because that's why we're here. So in the nutshell, we have to trust and obey the process that God has put together for each and every one of us. So it comes mm-hmm. back to that verse that you that from Psalms one and three, where it says mm-hmm. that a tree planted by a river of water will have you know will bear fruit in his season, his fruit in his season. So we have to be willing to trust and obey the process of God, not our process, but His process. 
mm-hmm. you know, because he because because basically at the end of the day, when we obey, he basically repositions us through the process that he takes us through. So everything that you said was just he led you through a process, and through that process, you were obeying every turn. Like you know, he told you which way to go, and you followed it. And it's just like at the end of the day, what ha- what would have happened, you know, that what if, what, what, what would happen if you didn't listen? What, if, what would have happened if you decided to change the process in the middle of everything that he had you doing? You know, mm-hmm. once you decided to go the way he wanted you to go, what would have happened? Well, now you're right where, you know, you're right in the area of where he wants you to be, and it's just like, not just with you, but with Amy, but with all of us. Like, we're all where we're supposed to be because we trusted in, or we finally trusted in his process and not our own. Hmm. You know what is, what's, you all, what's really interesting is today, um, <clears throat> you know, I said because school ends at the end of this month. You know, out here, school ends a lot earlier than it does in the city. So at the end of May, these kids will be out of school for the summer. And so, of course, you know, I said, well, shoot, school's only going to be in session for the rest of May, so I need to get all of the summer jobs I can in for the next three weeks because then there won't be any more, you know, and just, you know, pay out, you know, pay my bills and, you know, things like that, right? And I was like, I need to, I kept checking the, the sub line. I need to get as many as I can. These are stuff I might not really want. You know, just go and just do it so we can just have money in the bank and blah, 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 blah. And and the job came up for today. And I said, oh, I really don't want to do that, but I do need to just go ahead and take it. I need to just go ahead and take it. And I was like, but I don't want to do that. Girl, you better, you need to go ahead and take that. You need to take everything you can. And I kind of went back and forth because the, the job popped up at, at like midnight last night and I saw it. Uh, when I had woke up to go to the bathroom and I, it was still there this morning. Now, the fact that it was still there this morning means somebody didn't want to do it, <laughs> you know, which was an indicator because, you know, thousands of people on these sites, and they'll snatch it up right away. And so I still, like, 5 o'clock this morning, I said I could text Sam and I can tell him I can do the call today, can, you know, uh, text Felicia, Pam, you know, see if, you know, all of them together can just go ahead and run the call because I'm going to go to work. And I tell you, the Holy Spirit, see, I, I be calling, I, be, I used to call it something because I didn't know what it was, now I know what it is. The Holy Spirit was like, no, quit chasing that. No, you need to do this call today because you know what your plan was for this call, and people need it. Somebody needs that call today just the way you formatted it. Going to work and getting that little hundred dollars is not to super. And this is what he told me: it is not to supersede my plan for these people today. Mm. And I didn't go. In my mind, I needed to go because I needed the money, but I don't really need the money. He already made provisions for me. This is mm-hmm. over and above what he's already provided. I was trying to get some extra because my fear kept saying, oh, God, what if I don't get a job? I need to have standby. But he said, don't do it. If I had gotten up, see what I mean? If I had gotten up, 
and got dressed and went to that job anyway where he told me not to go, would I have known that Najima knew somebody who could help with this school? Would mm-hmm. she have okay. even been on the call? Well, we have even found out about because we don't, you know, we go to, but we talk about everything else besides we just never, in all this time, we never talked about this. So this quite possibly would have never even come up if I had disobeyed and I had done what I felt needed to be done when he had already made provision and I really didn't even have to do it. Thank you, God, for another indication or more confirmation of why it's so important to be obedient and listen. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And why I had to go through so much. (sighs) Wow. Okay. Okay. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. I've been listening very intently. I I was uh, looking up, uh, well, I was looking up the word draw, because God was speaking to me and saying, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's James 4, 8. But it goes back a little further on here. And says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, double-minded, lament and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Do not speak evil, brethren, evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if ye judge the law, ye are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is a lawgiver, large L, who is able to save and and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such a place or such a city, spend year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is a vapor, even a vapor as appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live or do this or that. But know your boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. That you were talking about, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, but God says we should say instead, if God wills, we will do this and that. So, mm, okay, God wills, if God wills, we will do this and that. Mm-hmm. So it's just to draw near to God, you know. That that is so, you know, we we always talk about resisting the devil, but we forget to say draw near to God, you know, that relational thing that God wants. Like, okay, this morning I got up, I've been listening to a lot of ministers on the TV set, and a lot of them have mentioned that that relationship, that's why Christ died, so we would have a relationship with the Father. And I got up this morning, and I said, Lord, I said, 
I just want to commune with you, Father, today. I just want to talk to you and walk with you and want to just be with you today, Father, and just commune with you and you with me today, Father, and so that we can, you know, I can live for you today. And I live one day at a time. I don't try to do the next day or the day before. I just live today. And so it was really cool because God has shown me through the times that, that I've spent alone with him and just seeking him. You know, if you're so busy trying to prove something, like I've been doing for a long time, trying to, trying to prove that, I was getting nowhere because it was just an arrogant thing. You know, I wanted everybody to see what I was doing, how good I am. And, and like the scripture says, our works is a filthy rag. But if we're doing what God says to do, you know, if we're listening to God, like you said, you know, you got slain in the spirit, that excited me because I was in a Brownsville revival in 1997 or 98 and got slain many times in the spirit, and it's powerful. You're so right on that. Um, and the and the presence of God is so heavy. When you're really in tune with God, it's just heavy. You can't, you, you just, you can't even move. You know, you're just there, and you can't even move, and he'll just hold you there, um, and minister, you know, and he'll do what he, he needs to do in your life. Um, I have not been that way since the early, early, or late 90s, and um, I know that that grieves, you know, that grieves God that I'm not as close to him as I, he desires as I desire, and so, but it's it's a new walk, you know, and like, Louis said, you know, I'm married now, and so my attention is drawn more on being obedient to my husband than than anything else, you know, and doing as he tells me to. So I've got that armor bearer, but I also have to listen to the Lord and follow him. You know, Louis is not here during, you know, when he's working. So I'm still called to do what God wants me to do, and that's seek him out and draw near to him. Yeah. And when we do that, then we get in his presence and worship him, then anything is possible. Because once you're in the presence of God, you can, you know, you've got, you've got that empowerment from the Holy Spirit. I was in a Bible study last Tuesday, or I was in a prayer group last Tuesday, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit took over and said, we were praying against the enemy, but yet the Holy Spirit just said, okay, you are empowered. We're praying, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit said, um, there's no weapon formed against us that can prosper, and then put on the armor of God that you may be able to resist, you know, be able to stand firm, and then put on the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the feet that shod the gospel of preparation of the peace, the sword of the spirit, and the shield of faith that is able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. And so, and then all of a sudden he says, and I have quickened you, by my Holy Spirit. I have quickened you by my Holy Spirit. And it was like, all of a sudden, I went, whoa, wow, God. Because that quickening came from the Holy Spirit. It wasn't anything that, you know, I, wow, Lord. And I have quickened you by the Holy Spirit. And see, we're obedient. We're stepping out. And the Holy Spirit is inside of us. It's already there. We've already had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit because we've asked for it and we've received it. So in doing so, we get we get filled to overflowing to, to speak, you know, 
And so it's it's really, I think it's, it's a beautiful thing when we get to that point where we it's not just submission, you know, and obedience. It's drawing and wanting to commune with him. You know, God God doesn't, Lord, you know, God God is a just God, but he's not going to hurt us per se. You know, he wants us to draw near to him, not to be corrected, but to be loved on, to be, you know, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. To, pro- mm-hmm. to, to proclaim the to proclaim the um, favorable year of the Lord or the acceptable year of the Lord. Well, that acceptable year of the Lord is God is accepting us as mm-hmm. we are and loves us just as we are, with no yes, no, no strings attached. Jesus died because we're an imperfect person. We're all imperfect. If if we were perfect, we wouldn't need the Savior. We're imperfect. Um, we're all imperfect. So. If 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 we were perfect, we wouldn't need a savior, you know. But you look in the in the Old Testament, they they did not have the Holy Spirit like we do. We have the Holy Spirit in its fullness, you know. God God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit can be the Triune God can be with us at all times, and so that Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, and the Father um, hears what Jesus is saying to intercede to help us mm-hmm. to think. And so we've got that power of the Holy Spirit empowering us. And so last night I said, Lord, you know, there's times that I just need your boldness and your courage to just do what you want me to do. Because sometimes I just have it. I just don't have it. And so I just ask the Father, Father, give me your courage and boldness so I can do what you want me to do. Because there's times of timidity. There's times, you know, and, and God lines up that law because he knows we can't fulfill it without him and the Holy Spirit empowering us. Mm-hmm. And if and if we try to fulfill the law of itself, then that's sin because it's self-righteousness. But mm-hmm. if we turn to the law and say, okay, God, your Holy Spirit, empower me to fulfill that which is the law because you fulfilled it, Jesus, on earth. So that spirit that raised you from the dead will help me fulfill that law too. And so we draw nigh to God and let go of that self-righteousness and those self-righteous acts and return to that relationship, that one-on-one relationship with God where I can't walk your walk and you can't walk mine. But we can love one another and encourage one another to do the right thing. See, I, I no longer tell people what to do. That is something that God can only do. And that's why I spend time in the Word. And I've been reading on a book on the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is mentioned. The only requirement to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit is to be born again. And once you're born again, God says, I will impart my Holy Spirit to those who ask and receive. And so anybody can receive the Holy Spirit as long as they are born again new by by the spirit the spirit gives new life but the holy spirit gives empowerment yeah and and i've been studying i have been studying on the holy spirit for a good month or so now and it's exciting Mm -hmm. to see the difference the shift you know sam said the you know the paradigm shift well there is a shift when you begin to seek out god and and when i'm seeking out the holy spirit and and knowledge of the holy spirit more the more I am understanding more about what the Holy Spirit really does. He's our counselor, our helper, our teacher, our guide. He does, you know, 
he imparts to us everything that we need. You know, I'm really, you know what, Sherry, thank you for that. You are so right. And that's, you know what, and um, I think this is a good time for us to begin our lesson because, you know, one of the ways that he um, imparts is when we, you know, read his word together. You know, I think you would have mentioned that. And so, um, you know, I'm going to go ahead and begin with, the lesson, I don't know the lesson, I don't know what you call this, lesson, reading, whatever, um, so hey, we can give him the, huh? Could I interject Might just for one moment before you get into the lesson? Oh, yes, ma'am. Because <laughs> there was something when you were, when you were um, explaining, when I had asked that question and you were explaining, and you, you made a, a comment in passing, and I just wanted to touch on it right quick. Um, you were talking about Facebook, and you were like, you know, be careful of Facebook, and I just wanted to say, Facebook is not the problem. Facebook is just hmm. a vehicle, okay? Right. And we are the driver. So where where it goes is because that's where we took it. Wow. Okay. Um, I had uh, I think it was like last year I posted on Facebook about how um, you know a lot of people blame it for you know like like problems in their relationship or what have you, but it's not Facebook. You know, your spouse was going to get with that high school um, sweetheart regardless as soon as the opportunity presented itself because they were open to that. That wasn't, that wasn't mm. Facebook's fault. That was your spouse's fault. But the other mm. thing is that Facebook, like I said, it's a vehicle, and it also gives us an opportunity to, to share and to share, um, uh, to praise and worship. Because if you think about it, I don't know about you all, but I am in – you know, not only personal groups with, like, friends and that, but also prayer groups. And these are with mm-hmm. people I have never met before, okay, and probably will never meet. But um, you put out on Facebook and you ask people to pray, and you end up praying for people that you've never met, that you're never going to meet. And so whereas before you may have called a friend and said, you know, would you pray for me, you know, my sister's sick or, you know, my husband's in the hospital, whatever, and so you have two people praying, but then you can put a post on Facebook and you have hundreds, perhaps thousands of people praying for you, you know. And so Hmm. it can also be used, in, you know, in the positive. It's a vehicle, where you and you're the driver, so where it goes is on you. Facebook is not doing anything. It's just there. (laughs) Yeah, you're about right. You're right. You're right. So you know what? You're right. So I probably should have said was just be careful of how you use it. There you go. You know, how you use Facebook. That is so true. You're right because it's it's not even a living thing. But the life that we breathe into it depends upon us. So you are absolutely Mm -hmm. right. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, (laughs) ma'am. Yes, All right. Thanks. So... Um, today's lesson, I want to, this came from actually uh, something that the pastor was talking about at church, and I, it just really hit me like a ton of bricks when he was talking about it, and I guess, you know, I just kind of tweaked it and added a, a little bit onto it. Um, I'm not a Bible scholar, don't profess to be, I've studied it, and, you know, but Sam, if you're on the line if I'm missing anything or if you have anything to add about the history of this, I'm sure you know. Um, you know, feel free to kick in. Um, but this is so connected to what we've been talking about lately 
and so connected to the fact that this is Motivational Wednesday and so connected to the fact, um, so connected to the conversation and the comments that we shared today. And I think that this will be very, very powerful and appropriate. So it's taken from Second Samuel, the, well, part of it, I'm going to say the ninth chapter, because um, I'll probably just read that. But I want to give a little bit of background, okay? So in Second Samuel, um, around about the eighth chapter, you know, it talks about um, David winning the war. So David, David was in war or David's kingdom, I don't know exactly how you say it, but um, was in war. You know, it says in the third chapter, I'm going to read exactly what it says, in the third chapter of Second Samuel, and I'm, this is the first verse, now there was a long war between the house of Saul and the house of David. But David waxed stronger and stronger, and the house of Saul waxed weaker and weaker. So he was winning the war against the house of Saul, okay? Um, and he eventually won um, because in the 8th chapter, in the 15th verse, it states, and David reigned over all of Israel, and David executed judgment and justice unto all his people. So clearly he won the war. And then, you know, it talks about how the battles and kind of some of the things in that uh, chapter um, that took place during the war. But um, Jonathan was the son of Saul, and and Sam talked, was it Sunday or last week? At some point he was talking about the relationship. He was talking about David and Jonathan and Saul. Um, and so um, David had made a promise, you know, that even if he did win the war, that he would show kindness for Jonathan's sake because, if I'm not mistaken, they were friends. Um so I'm going to read where it's exactly what it says, but I'm not going to read the whole. No, yes, I will. All right, so I am in the second Samuel, the ninth chapter right now. That's what I'm reading, so I'm starting at verse 1. So again, David, the house of David and the house of Saul have been at war. David won the war and became the king of Israel, Okay. So now we're we're here at uh, the ninth chapter, or excuse me, ninth yeah ninth chapter first verse. And David said, "Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake?" And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, "Art thou Ziba?" And he said, thy servant is he. And so, of course, the, you know, when you were in a war, whatever was of the, whatever belonged to the other person now belongs to you. And so now this person, Ziba, was now David's um, servant, but even though he originally was from um, the house of Saul. And the king said, is there not yet any of the house of Saul? that I may show kindness of God unto him. Is there anybody left? <laughs> Have we killed everybody? <laughs> Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. So Jonathan, 
the son of Saul had a son. This is Saul's grandson that they're talking about, but he was he's lame. And I'm going to read you all the background of that. I'm going to read you all, um, you know, on this kind of a plainer English in a minute. And the king said unto him, where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodibar. Then king David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodibar. Now when Mephibosheth, oh, Lord, I had this name. I got to sound it out again. Mephibosheth. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, so this is Jonathan's son, Saul's grandson. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold, thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul of thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant? that thou should lookest upon such a dead dog as I am. Let me read that again, because that's going to be important. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant, that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Then the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy son and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruit, that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth shall master's the but Mephibosheth, thy master's son shall eat bread away at my table. Now Ziba hath fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then said Ziba unto the king, according to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, Micah? and all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both, lame on both his feet. Okay, before we get into this, I want to read you something that is kind of a, you know, a layman's thing, <laughs> uh, understanding of what, what just happened here. According to the biblical narrative, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth was five years old when both his father, who was Jonathan, and grandfather, who was Saul, died at the Battle of Mount Gilboa. When the report about the death of Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, Mephibosheth's nurse took him and fled in panic. In her haste, the child had fallen or been dropped 
upon fleeing. Both of his ankles were broken. And so since then, he was unable to walk. For some years thereafter, Mephibosheth lived in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodibar in the land of Gilead. King David learned this from Ziba, a former servant in Saul's house. In order to fulfill his covenant with Jonathan, David showed David wished to exercise loving kindness toward anyone who was left over from the house of Saul. After David had subdued all of the adversaries of Israel, Mephibosheth was brought before David, and when the king explained that it was his desire to exercise loving kindness toward Mephibosheth by returning him all returning to him all the field of Saul and by having him eat bread at my table constantly. Mephibosheth responded humbly, What is your servant that you have turned your face to the dead dog such as I am? And David said, You will eat at my table. Mm. Even though you were captured in war, even though by right, you should probably be dead or a prisoner or a, um, a servant or a slave. Because of my relationship and my promise, the covenant that I made with your father, you will be treated like a king. You will eat at my table. Okay. Okay. You know, Sometimes this this really just you know on so many levels on so many levels this just really really hit me this really hit me I, I mean there's so many angles we could come from to discuss this there's so many and by all means if anybody um, if I miss something or if anybody has a, a different perspective or a different way to look at it other than what I mentioned, please feel free to share. But the thing that stuck out the most to me was how Mephibosheth viewed himself and how that view is contrasted with the way the king sees him. Okay, so Mephibosheth, as it tells us in the commentary, when all of the war was going on and it came, you know, the news came that both his father and his grandfather had been killed in battle, of course, you know how it goes in war. Everybody knew that by rights he should have been next in the bloodline because you kill, you know, they killed everybody and all the boys, especially in the bloodline. So by rights, according to the way things usually went in war, he would have been next. And so the nurse, of course, wanting to protect him, doing what she was doing for his own good, she 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 caught him up and and tried to run with him to save his life, but she dropped him. And because he was so young, you know, it, he was it both broke of his 
both of his ankles. And so back then, you know, I'm sure they couldn't just run the child to the hospital and set the legs. And, you know, nowadays he wouldn't necessarily have to be crippled for life. But then, you know, they didn't have the modern conveniences and the modern medicine that they have now. So once something like that happens, if it doesn't correct itself, then you just out of luck. And so he became crippled. And see, also, then um, when those who had diseases, those who were lepers, those who had, you know, like the woman with the issue of blood, um, you know, people who are crippled, people who are blind, deaf, um, mute, all of those things, any imperfection that a person had, it was seen as a weakness and you were an outcast. You were automatically put in a different social stratification. You were automatically looked over. You were automatically, um, it's like people had a license to mistreat you and disrespect you. So you pretty much from that moment on could expect that your life was going to be a certain way, um, a life, unless you had family members who just really were going to be there and help you and uphold you, it was expected like a person just knew that, okay, my life is going to take a shift here. It's not, it may not be all that I want it to be because that's just how things work. Think about how we treat people nowadays. Is it really that much different? We do have things that can help people. Folks can read Braille. You know, we have transplants. We have seeing our dogs. We have, you know, places for people with disabilities. But really, by and large, I mean, as society as a whole, we do see people with different disabilities as different or, you know, that they can't do as much. And, and we don't always, you know, we're not always the nicest to them and the most courteous and respectful. But then it was a thousand, thousand times worse. So when David said, wait a minute, okay, this whole thing is over with, the battles are over, but I still have a covenant that I made. I made a promise. And in order for me to fulfill the promise that I made with Jonathan, I have to find out if there's anybody of his house still alive out there. And, of course, he finds out, yes, Mephibosheth is still alive. This is Jonathan's son, and he sends for him. And because of the customs then, Mephibosheth, I'm sure, is thinking, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to be enslaved, because he doesn't know. He's a, you know, he doesn't know um, about the promise that his father made with David. I'm sure he didn't know their relationship. You know, he wasn't privy to that. So he just knows that the new king, um, the new king who, who won this war in which his father and his grandfather perished in which they were killed or they died, however it happened, um, wanted to see him. So, uh, And he was crippled. And he had what we would call a disability. So he already knew that, okay, this might not go right. This might, this might not turn out quite the way that I would want it to. So he goes, and could you imagine his, because I want you to think about how he referred to himself. Let me read for y'all, just in case you forgot how he referred to himself. And he bowed himself, this is Mephibosheth, and he bowed himself and said, what is thy servant 
that thou shalt look upon such a dead dog as I am. He refers to himself as an animal, not even like a cute and furry and cuddly dog, but a dead dog, roadkill, like a dead squirrel, a raccoon, a possum you see on the side of the road. He refers to himself as that because he did not know how important he was. He didn't get it. He had no clue who he was. So he's looking at his at what he deems to be um, a disability or a handicap that will prevent him from from being fruitful. That will prevent him from being anybody of any importance of any um, anybody who will gain any respect and who will be respected by anybody else. That's how he saw himself because of this situation that had happened to him that was beyond his control. I'm going to let that rest for a couple seconds. A dead dog. So imagine how shocked and surprised he must have been when David says, this man will eat at my table. He's going to eat at my table. He's not a slave. He's not to be mistreated. He's not going to be killed. He's going to eat at the king's table. It's time for you to get up and eat at the king's table. And not only that, but Ziba's servant, Ziba was a house of salt. His servants became a simple chef's servant. When David, because David honored his covenant. And so I know as I'm reading this, I'm picturing, I can't help but picture the scene where this person is thinking that his life is over with, it's done, it's over. It's not, it, my, my daddy's dead, my granddaddy's dead. He was the king. It's a new king. I'm crippled. I can't do for myself. I can't even walk. And back then, you know, you have to just drag. Like if you couldn't walk, you have to drag yourself along the ground and stuff. Somebody might help you. Somebody might not. So you're down there low like the animal. And the how he must have felt when he when he realized what was that. He was going to eat. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can only imagine. All because he really didn't realize who he was. He didn't know. And so for us, now let's talk about us. How many times do we speak death upon ourselves when we consider ourselves, quote, handicapped, whether that's a physical handicap or a spiritual handicap. When things happen, when we make mistakes, <clears throat> when we fall off, when we fall down, when we get off track, when things aren't going the right way, think about how we view ourselves sometimes. I mean, if we really be honest, I mean, for real, for real, for real. Maybe even if we're not in that particular state right now, maybe if we're not there right now at this moment, think about how 
we viewed ourselves and the things that we've said about ourselves and the death that our tongue has spoken over our own selves or even our children or family members at different points in our lives when we were, quote, crippled or handicapped in any way. Like when Mephibosheth Michelle said he was a dead dog. But isn't it absolutely wonderful that God still allows us to eat at the king's table no matter what, no matter what we've done, no matter the mistakes we've made, no matter what we struggle with, no matter when we've gotten off course, off track, off our square. Isn't it wonderful that he doesn't look at us as a dead dog? Isn't it wonderful that because of the covenant that he made with us, like the covenant that that David made with Jonathan. Isn't it wonderful that because of that covenant and because he honors his word that we still get to eat at the king's table no matter what? I don't know about you all, but that means a lot to me. And isn't it wonderful, isn't it totally awesome that that no matter how twisted our view of our own selves are when we do certain things, we make certain mistakes. And isn't it wonderful that our self-view and the way we see ourselves is not the way God sees us? Because we'd be in trouble. I know I would be in a lot of trouble if the way that I saw myself was the same as the way God sees me. I think I probably have some problems because I don't always see myself. And I haven't, or should I say, I haven't always seen myself the way God sees me. And see, a lot of things that we do, a lot of um, mistakes that we make and a lot of the foolishness that we do and the situations that we get ourselves in are a direct result of us not seeing ourselves the way God sees us. But it is so comforting to know that we can still pull up a seat. We ain't got to eat crumbs. We don't have to take whatever falls off the table. We don't just have to take any old thing. We can eat right, sit, we can pull up a tall chair and sit right there and say, would you please pass some butter? Because that's his promise to us. And so, I'm, I'm, mm, mm. And so what I would say, what I would like to say to you all today is, you know, your position can override your condition. Let me say that one more again. Your position can override your condition. Mephibosheth had, I keep messing that man's name up, Mephibosheth, he had a condition, his legs were broken. Technically, he was physically handicapped. He couldn't walk. He was pulling himself on the ground. It wasn't due to any fault of his own, and someone tried to do something to help him. Because, again, she did wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, because she didn't know who he was. You see that? She didn't know who he was. So she tried to fix a situation that really didn't need to be fixed because she, and she really thought she was doing the right thing, but he was never in danger. But she didn't know that. And so because she didn't know who he was, 
she dropped them, and he ended up in this circumstance of being handicapped. He didn't know who he was in this situation, you know, who he was in relationship to the king. So when he came in, he referred to himself as a dead dog. And see, these are the things that happen when we are not clear on who we are in God. We do things. We try to fix ourselves. We try to fix other people because we're not clear on who, on who they are. And then things can get a little bit muddled when we don't know who we are and we are not clear on our purpose and our direction, our assignment, our destiny. But that's why I always keep saying that it's very important for us to be clear about our purpose because your purpose gives you your assignment. And you have an anointing mixed up in there, and that tells you who you are in God. So, again, his condition was overwritten by his position. The condition that he was in, well, let me back that up and I'm going backwards. The position that he was in as far as being the son of Jonathan overrode his condition of being paralyzed so that he was still taken care of very well. He was still provided for so the life that he would have had to live had he not been in that particular position. He didn't have to live that life. He didn't have to live that life. Because of the position that we have as far as our place in God, we don't have to live a certain life. We can still be with him. We can still eat at his table. We can still be the recipient of blessings because of our position, overriding our condition of of being sinful, of not always walking the way we're supposed to, of self-doubt, of, you know, disbelief sometimes, of not trusting sometimes, of not having faith sometimes. Our position as far as receiving God's grace and mercy overrides all of that. And even though your ankles may have been broken, it's not figuratively, or excuse me, it's not literally figuratively you know, you may have gone through things. You may have fallen off. You may have, um, you know, not done everything the right way. You may have gone down the wrong path. You may have sinned. You may have not trusted when you should have. You may not have listened to his voice. But you can't stay in that. No matter what, you can't stay in it. You can't stay in it. It's time for you to come out of that. Wherever you're at, whatever you know, muck and mire, you may feel yourself sinking in the quicksand. Oh, my God, I made these mistakes. I didn't do this right. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, you know, he must be punishing me. He must No, it's time for you to come up off of that and realize who you are. Realize who you are. You are God's child. He has grace and mercy for you if you seek it. You don't have to stay where you are. You don't have to be constantly chained to the past, past mistakes, 
you know, past misfortunes. I should have done this. I should have done that. The kids will be better if I had done this. And maybe my marriage would still be together if I had done that. Or maybe I would still have this job if I had done that. Or maybe my relationship with my siblings or my parents would be better if I had done that. If, 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 if I had, if, 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 if. You don't have to be chained to the past. You don't have to be be stuck in quicksand. You don't have to be on the floor like a dead. You are not a dead dog. You are not a dead dog. So it's time to come out of that. It's time to grab your chair and pull up your seat at the king's table and eat with him. It's time. Let all of that stuff go. And whatever it is that has you stuck, whatever it is that has you looking back, trying to walk forward but looking backwards, even if it's something in the present, because anything that happens right now, we're in the past. The words I just spoke are now in the past. The past happens right when you complete anything. The split second you complete it, it becomes past. So let God come in and break those shackles from your past, past mistakes, um, even you know, things that you're going through currently where you might feel like, they are as a result of your ankles being broken at some point, whether somebody else dropped you or whether you dropped your own self. Whatever the case may be, it's time for you to pull up your seat. It's time for you to eat safe. You don't have to keep eating bologna and spam. It's time for you to eat your steak and your lobster. It's time for you to recognize who you are in God, and to see yourself the way he sees you, because that's the only way, that's the only way, that's the only way that you will be able to walk in the fullness of your destiny and everything that he's called for you to be is you got to, you have to begin to see yourself the way that he sees you, and the only way you can do that is to, is to take your seat, take your rightful place at the table. And I don't want anybody to go forward the rest of the day here. I don't want anyone to go forward thinking that they still have to be crippled, that their ankles are still broken. You are free. You are free. Do you hear me? You are free. God loves you. He does not see you as a dead dog. He didn't, make, he didn't do that. He didn't make you for that. But you have to believe it. And that's why I always talk about how powerful the mind is. The mind will create whatever you make it create. Whatever you water the most is what is going to grow. Whatever you feed the most is what's going to be strongest. So if you feed and you water the, the, the truth, the truth of who you are in God, the truth of who you are in God, then that's what will grow. And you will see yourself doing exponential things, exponential things, because you are mighty and you are powerful. Just pray. The whole, if you just ask God, he'll come in and break those shackles. He'll change and renew your mind. And you can walk in the fullness of your destiny. And you can and will eat at the king's table. Thank you. And that's all I have for today. Are you dropping the mic? 
I think so. Because oh. you know I'm all full. Now y'all better start talking before I get going. Hey. Hello, everybody. Hey, what's up, Nene? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm done. Any comments, questions, ideas, or thoughts? Not what has been shared today. Awesome. I'm on mute. No, you don't get to do that. I know you got something to share. <laughs> Boo. Boo. <laughs> uh, you see, you about to make me say something. You say what? So she's no, about you... to make me say something. What do you have to share, Pastor Father? Oh, now you want to go there, huh? I'm just saying. I mean, in all honesty... Yeah. <laughs> That's about all I got to say. Okay. And thank you very well. You're welcome thank very you. much. Right. That was wrong with a year. Word today. Very powerful word today. Um, timely. Very timely for me. Um, yes, I, I, uh, I, my view of myself is not like the view of God and that was that was just timely today. I I really appreciate that word. That was just timely. God really used you today. I just really appreciate that. That was awesome. Amen. Fully awesome. Amen. Okay. Keep our eye on the Lord, and remember who we are. That that's so 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 important. And. Uh, we can't keep looking at ourselves and look inward because if we look inward, we're like Mashivasa and seeing ourselves as dead dogs. You know, right. if we look inside of ourselves instead of looking outside of ourselves to the Creator who created us, ooh, <laughs> that's powerful. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's powerful. I mean, that's really powerful. And to get it, to understand it, not to just hear it and have it in your head, but to really get it, that you really are a creation of God and that we're daughters and sons of God, you know. I read, I was writing last night on the power of the name of Jesus and how my mom always says, Jesus rebukes this and Jesus rebukes that. And I was writing in my journal, says, you know, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke. We've got the power to rebuke in the name of Jesus, you know. And so there's so much connected to the name of Jesus and that righteousness that comes from him. You know, you talk about Mephibosheth. I know, that name is a trip, Sherry. That name is hard to say, I know. (laughs) I think I said it a different time every time I said it. Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, yes. I, I've heard that name before, Mephibosheth. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. He, he looked inwardly. And how many of us look inwardly at ourselves? Mm. How many? I mean, I'm guilty. Boy, I, I raise my hands. I surrender. I'm guilty. I look inside myself too much. And I, I know that God did that word for me today because he's saying, don't look inside. 
because you're not going to find what you like anyway. Mm-hmm. Oh, fellowship with me, talk with me, talk with me, sit with me, eat with me, dine with me, spend time with me. Oh, God, God longs for that relationship one-on-one with us. I go back to that, that one-on-one relationship with God, talking with him and understanding, you know, getting in life by the word of God. That's exactly what I have to say with that was an enlightenment from the word of God that we don't look inward at ourselves, but we fellowship with God and he blesses us and feeds us with his word and with his spirit. Yeah. The word powerful, powerful, powerful word today. Thank you. Powerful word. Amen. 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 So glad it was helpful. Amen. Yes. Um, does anybody else have anything like to share? Any comments? Comments, questions, ideas, or thoughts? No? Going once? Going twice? All right. Well, at this time we do prayer requests. Um, I'm going to say that uh, I like it, and I'm going to let you keep it, though, but I like your comments, questions, ideas, or thoughts. I, that was that was good. I like that. You know where I got that from? <clears throat> nope. Ninth grade geography class. <laughs> my, teacher, my teacher used to end every class period with that. You know, after he would give us our lecture, mm-hmm. he would go, comments, questions, ideas, or thoughts, and I never forgot that. <laughs> wow. Well, Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's where I got that from. Right. So if there are no comments, questions, ideas, thoughts, different ways of looking at it, different angles, any of that, then we will go into prayer requests. Does anyone have prayer requests? I got one. You can do me last, but I got one. Oh, wait a minute. So you get to, I see how you do. Mm-hmm. That's funny. So you get to, I'm not mad at you. I'm, I'm okay. taking your name spot today. I'm going last. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. So Sam is last. Okay. You me first. Sam, that's you. <laughs> no. All right, Sam, this first because I'm getting a, a, an order here. I'm writing it down. Okay, anybody else, Sherry? Yeah, I would like to have prayer of looking at walking with God more and looking less at myself. Okay, Sherry, my wife, looking at God more. So more of God, less of self. Right. Less of self. Is that okay? I'm because I'm writing this down. But look at not looking at myself, my inadequacies, but looking at God and mm-hmm. him, him inside of me. Okay, that's your drama. You can have me there. All right. All right. Anybody else? Anybody else? Felicia, you want prayer? Hun? If you're there. Because I know those people are at her house. Okay. Is there anybody else on the line who would like prayer? Because I'm writing it down. I got a little plan. I got something I'm working on here. 
Yes, please. I'm going back on mute them. Okay. I got you. So you're not available to pray? Give me, a couple of, give, me a, give me a minute, and, yeah, I'll be available. Okay. I just want to know because I've got to um, formulating something here. Okay. All right, cool. Anybody else? I got Pam. I'm going to go first. Pam is last. I got um, Sherry, Erica, and Felicia. Is there anybody else? Then I don't want to miss anybody. Okay. All right. And I'm going to put Reba and Tina down here. Okay. Now, this is what we're going to do. Erica, are you available to pray? Or are you on the, um, you on the, on the sneak right now? <laughs> you on the low low? On the low low, baby. On the low low. I got you. I got you. All good. Okay. So, Pam. I'm going to pray for you, and then um, Felicia, can you pray for Pam after I pray for Pam? Okay. If Felicia can't pray for Pam, then Sam, I want you to come in and pray for her. If Felicia can't get back off mute. Because I know she's the people are there. Okay? All right. Oh, oh. Okay. Gracious. <clears throat> Most gracious and heavenly Father, we come right now uplifting our sister Pam, your daughter. We know that you know everything that she has need of, even those things that she may not share out loud. And there are all things that we do not share out loud. We just ask that that you just take your own inventory because nobody knows you. Nobody knows her better than you do. Not her mother, not her family members. Nobody knows your children better than you do. You know what we think. You know what we feel. You know that we should not vocalized and verbalized. And so for Sister Pam, we just ask you to just come in and do whatever it is that needs to be done in order to move her further along and lift her higher in you. We just ask that that you just give her a comfort, whatever it is that she needs comfort for, whatever it is you know, that may be going on inside of her. And it doesn't even necessarily mean that there's anything bad that's going on. Just whatever it is, you make the adjustment. You get the increases that need to be given. You do the decreasing that needs to be done because you know exactly what it takes to have her in balance and for things to flow in her the way that you will have them to and according to the way that you will have them to. So we just ask today, Heavenly Father, that you just bless her, that you just bless her and give her the desires of her heart that are in accordance with what it is that you you will have her to have. She is a powerful woman. She's smart and she's strong. And so we just ask you to continue to place people around her 
that will edify and uplift her. We ask you to open up any doors and any opportunities um, that you see fit for her to get wherever it is that she's trying to go in life. We just ask you to continue to build her up in you and to make her stronger in you. She is a powerful force, and we know that she has a great destiny ahead of her. So we just ask that you do whatever is necessary, whatever you see fit to make sure that that happens and that she is clear in terms of her her purpose and in terms of her journey, in terms of her assignment in you, and that you just build her up to do and be everything that you would have her to be. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen, amen, amen. Oh, all right. I'm sorry. Oh, give me one second. Give me one second. My phone is about to die, so give me one second. Hey, Felicia. Yes, ma'am. When you're done with Pam, can you pray for Erica? Yes. Thank you, love. Pam, I mean, uh, Pam. When Felicia gets finished, when Felicia gets done praying for Erica, can you pray for Erica? Okay. Thank you, love. Okay. Thank you. Oh, God. Okay. Um, so, the scripture that was read earlier. Okay. Um, the scripture that was read earlier, um, what stood out was the verse 3 that we talked about. Um, and all I could stay rooted. And this goes for Pam and for Erica. Stay rooted in what you know works. And you know that's the word of God. No matter what other, you know, no matter what anybody else's truth is given, you know that the word of God stands every test of time. You know, every persecution, even under even under um, heavy, uh, you know, investigation, the truth of the word will always remain. Um, it would always remain. And so stay rooted next to the rivers of living water that come from Christ because in everything that God has in store for you, Pam and Erica, and the only reason I put you two together is because you are both on, even though you're on opposite ends of the spectrum as far as profession-wise, everything is connected where Pam, you work with business and money, and, and Erica works with mind and people, it goes together because, you know, at the end of the day, business, money, mind, and people, everybody deals with that every day. And because the truth of the word of God is the way it is, you guys can actually lean on, you complement each other. Mm-hmm. You got You complement each other. And so, and, and it's an awesome thing. And so Pam specifically, um, just just let your deep go your roots go deeper. Let your roots go deeper. Because sometimes you you 
You know, and that's one thing, and I I, I, I don't know if I ever shared this with y'all before, but I I thought it was kind of ironic how all of us have similar traits, but and I don't know if everybody else sees that, but we all have I stand alone mentality on some things. I stand alone, I walk alone, it's just me, myself, and I. That's all I got in the end. Um, sorry. <laughs> but, um, you know, yeah, but God sure. has, has given us each other oh. to hold each other accountable, to let each other know that we, we're not an island in and of ourselves, you know. And, Pam, the thing is you don't have to be an island. You do have you do have a support system that's here, if nowhere else. And you know, at times when you feel like you are you know are about to to just have that nobody understands moment, you come and dine, come and refresh yourself at the waters of life. So, Father, we come for Pam right now that you will continue to just watch over and keep her, you know, as she grows deeper in her relationship with you, as she grows deeper in her relationship with herself and seeing herself through your eyes. Father, just continue to strengthen her on every hand. Continue to let her see her strengths and not her weaknesses. Continue to let her, um, and even in those weaknesses, let her let her through you start strengthening those things because here on this line is our iron sharpens iron and you and Sam has always pointed out that we are on the training ground with you as we go through each call. So Lord we just ask that you will continue to strengthen her and use her for your glory. And as she follows and be obedient and trust what you have in store for her. Father, we ask that you will let her let her see when her season comes so that she knows that her fruit is is good and that you are working through her, you know, and let her be able to be aware of it for her good as she does things for your glory. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Amen. And I come for um, Erica right now. <laughs> she is like Daniel in the lion's den. Wow, Uh-oh. that's what I see. And so, um, and just like Daniel in the lion's den, Father, she prays, and you have been holding the mouths of those lions who have been hungry to see her demise. No, sorry, yes, Lord, not the lions. Even though she's Daniel in the lion's den, it's those who put their mouths against her that have that put her in there. Those who are, mm, how do I say it? And you know the story of it. You know the story, Erica. And what happens is those who have been planning your demise will happen to them for Daniel, as such will be for you. And so just continue to do as Daniel did and how he held his peace. And that's one thing. The word of God, the, 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 the truth of God does not need to be argued. 
And so because we are a fruit of his word, we don't have to argue when we are being obedient. We don't have to argue when we are doing what is right. And so continue to just walk in the honesty and truth of the Lord and your enemies will be your footstool. And they will wonder how it came to be that you received the robe and the ring when they thought it was going to be for them. And so, Father God, we just thank you for this woman of God. As you continue to instruct her and show her what her call is for and what you want her to do with all that you have, all that you have had her learn, continue to keep her in every way. Father, you know those who have put their mouths upon her. You know what those who are trying to be the Sadducees and Pharisees of her profession are doing, and their demise is that she continues to be respectful. She continues to do what she has to do. So that, therefore, more coals are being heaped upon their head, Father. And so as that is being done, Lord, continue to help her to be like Daniel and let her be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where they knew that even though they walked through the fire, they were not going to be consumed. And when those who are speaking against her see her coming out, let them see that it's not just her but by you, by the Holy Spirit walking with her, alongside her, keeping her, and let them see who it is, Father God, so that they will be not only astounded, they will be afraid, and they will fall to their knees, and they will bow down, and they will admit that you are God and that they were wrong and that they will submit to you and repent and come to know you as their Savior. And if they are professing to be Christians and believers, correcting themselves and getting back in right position with you because of her. And, Lord, we just thank you for that. Continue to watch over both her and Pam's family and their seven degrees of separation, keeping them from all hurt, harm, and danger that the enemy tries to produce. In the name of Yeshua, we come. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. All right. Uh, Now, (laughs) yes, amen, Sister Erica. Amen, Sister Willis. Yes. Jesus is taking the wheel today. All right. Um, We'll go ahead and do Sherry. Sherry, I thought you wanted me to pray for Erica also. Oh, I tripped. I'm sorry. You're right. I'm messing (laughs) up. Thank you. See, that's why... That's why I got y'all. Thank you, sister. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, mm. Father, I come before you this morning to lift up Sister Erica, thanking you for her contribution to this line. Father, asking you to continue to give her patience and clarity as she deals with the, the obstacles that are that are trying to force themselves upon her. Father, we thank you for this child of God. We thank you for her obedience that that helps her to maintain an even keel so that when they they start to irritate her, when they start to, on any given day, push her to the brink where she may set aside your word to use some words of her own, that you grab her just in time 
to keep her where she needs to be so that she doesn't fall back and to, to quiet her mouth and to let them do what they're going to do because they cannot stop her. No weapon formed against her shall prosper. They may not know that, Father, but she knows that, and we know that for her. And whatever it is that they wish upon her, they're actually wishing upon themselves, and they don't even realize it. Father, what she is going through now is preparing her for the next leg of her journey. We pray that she continues to learn from it, to use these, these, these small battles, prepare herself for future wars yes. so that they will not be able to topple her. Father, based on the, the, the word that was given earlier, this, these are her roots that, that she is creating so that later on when, when, when the winds come to blow against her, she'll be able to stand fast because she will have created those deep roots, those deep roots in you, Father. And no one else will be able to topple her. And she will be able to continue to do the work that it is that you want her to do. Yeah. Father, we pray for health and wellness over her family and her friends, her household. We thank you, Father, for her life and for her contribution. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Y'all got me feeling some type of way. These prayers, I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Y'all about to get me emotional up in here. <laughs> yes. All right. Let me, let, me get, let, me, let me get my focus back together. Man, that was beautiful, y'all. Okay. Um, so we're going to talk to Sister, Sister uh, Sherry right now, and her desire is for a close walk with God in that she wants there to be more of God and less than herself or, you know, coming out of herself. So we're going to do, we're going to take care of that. Sam, can you do the second prayer for Sister Sherry in that respect, please, sir? What's her prayer request again? Her prayer request is for more of God and less of her. Well, also so that I'm not looking inward. Not oh, so that you won't look inward, right? At, and pull from yourself, and that you'll pull from God's strength. Is that it? What you mean? That's it. That's it. All right. Okay. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Thank you, Miss Sherry. You got to set me straight. <laughs> All right. Okay. So. All right. All right. All right. So you know what? This reminds me of um, Sherry. We. I'm trying to remember. It was, I think it's in one of the, needed me besides the still waters, he restores my soul. It was something we were reading about, and, and David, there was, you know, the war was going on, and he was running from his own people, and he got to a point where he just laid down. Like, he got, you know, to some place, and he laid down, and he went to sleep. And he, in that moment, just really showed his trust in God. And he laid down and he went to sleep. And even though all of these people were after him, and even though it was a really dangerous and volatile situation, and he was in the, in the carnal, in the flesh, he was very well aware of, 
of the danger that he was in. But he still knew that God would fight his battle for him and that it was time for him to just rest and totally um, trust God and come outside of himself and put it in God's hands because he knew that there was only so much that he could do, and he really was in what we would call an impossible situation. Okay? And so that comes to me as I say this prayer for you, Sherry, is, you know, I hear that you are recognizing that, hey, you know, Sherry can only do so much. You know, um, Sherry in and of her own volition and, and power um, and knowledge can only do so much. God, I need you to help me come out of myself, recognize that I need you, walk closer with you in the sense of not looking toward myself or inside of myself for my own strength. God, I need you. I need you. I need your strength. I need your supernatural powers because in and of myself, I'm only going to be able to do so much, and that ain't much, especially when it seems like the enemy is on my track and when it seems like that force is so powerful. And so we come, Heavenly Father, lifting up Sherry right now, and it's such a wonderful thing that she recognizes her need to draw closer to you. She recognizes the fact that she needs you for strength. She recognizes the fact that she needs you for power. She she acknowledges that. And so with that, we just ask God that you honor that and that you give her supernatural ability to continue to pull closer to you to recognize that what she has in and of herself, even though you have planted your spirit down in her, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that, you know what, I need a little bit of extra help because sometimes the things that I am facing are just too much for me. I don't always know what to do. I don't have all the answers. Sometimes it's just a little bit beyond the scope of what I know and what I'm able to do. And so we just ask that you just move in a magnificent way in her life and that you just continue to show her your strength and continue to comfort her and let her know that, hey, I got you, Miss Sherry. I got you. You can rest in me. I will be there to fight your battles for you. I will tell you if you listen to me and I will tell you how to proceed. I will let you know what it is that you're supposed to be doing. I will guide you. I will lead you. I will direct you if you just draw unto me. And so we just we just really thank you for her. We thank you for um, her desire to draw closer. We thank you for, again, her recognition that um, she can't do it all herself. And we just come to your throne right now just asking for her supernatural wisdom and discernment for her so that she is aware and that she knows what situation she should um, be seeking, well, she should be seeking you in all situations, but how she is to proceed in what way in all the situations um, that she faces. And we just ask that you continue to speak to her and comfort her. 
Thank you for tuning in. Amen. I share you there. Yeah. I want you to repeat after me. Okay. Daddy God. Daddy God. Thank you. Thank you. For loving me. For loving me. For healing me. For healing me. For saving me. For saving me. And for forgiving me. And for forgiving me. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord, help me, Father. Help me, Lord. <laughs> I recognize that it's your love for me. I recognize it's your love for me. That has gotten me to this point, Lord. (laughs) That has gotten me to this point, Lord. It's only by your grace and your mercy. It's only by your grace and mercy. That I am where I am today. That I am where I am today. Definitely, Lord. Continue, Father. Continue, Father. To teach me. To teach me. To train me. To train me. How to walk more in you. How to walk more in you. And less in myself. And less in myself. Father God. Father God. Continue to love me. Continue to love me. Uplift me. Uplift me. Strengthen me. Me. And encourage me. And encourage me. As you continue to develop me. As you continue to develop me. Into the woman of God. The woman of God. That you've made me to be. That you've made me to be. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I will fulfill my destiny. I will fulfill my destiny. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father God, anoint her right now. Father God, anoint her right now. Fill her with strength and with the power of God. Yes, yes, yes. Father God, move in her. Quicken her spirit. Enlighten her. your words inside of her. And, and encourage her walk. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Okay. Okay, we got... um. I think that's just Sam. Oh, Felicia. Oh, Felicia. Mhm. We didn't get Felicia. We didn't get Felicia. Mm-hmm. I didn't do Felicia. Felicia, you still here, dear? Yes, ma'am. I'm still here. All right. Cece, Cece. 
Okay. All right, I got you. I got you. I got you. Let me situate myself one moment, please. I need to step um, outside of here. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay. Felicia? Ma'am, you, my dear, uh, and I, I keep saying it every day, like we we said it, you just, uh, I don't even know if you even realize, well, yes, you do realize how much you've grown. Um, it is something to see. And you are definitely, it is very obvious, very obvious that you are a force to be reckoned with in the kingdom. Um, you are an example of true righteous living. And, and you know, I'm not putting the pressure on you of saying, you know, perfection because nobody is perfect but you are a true example of righteous living, of walking the walk. Um, I just foresee, there, I foresee just such great things in your future, and um, there are going to be so many people. I mean, there's already people who are being blessed by you, which you may not even realize it, but in the future I just see, wow, wow, you're going to bless people so immensely. Um, going back to the reading today, going back to the reading today, when we talk about um, seeing ourselves the way God sees us, I feel like that's an area that you still sometimes struggle with. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. <clears throat> okay. And so before I... I begin this prayer, I want to just remind you again that it is your time to pull up your chair, Felicia. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not below. You are the lender and not the borrower. That is what he's trying to tell you. Your growth is your growth is evidence of that. That's what he's trying to tell you. It's your time. So go and pick out which chair you want. I don't know if you want a leather chair or if you want a nice, you know, cherry wood chair like I would probably select. I don't know if you need one with, you know, you know, one of those, um, what do you call those things? The chair cushion. I don't know if you want one of those. I don't know. But it's time. It's time for you to walk boldly and courageously in what in your anointing. It's time. You're here. It's time. Um, it's time. You you're here, honey. And he just wants you to really truly understand who you are in him, and to be bold with it. I mean, be bold in it. 
And so, Father God, we come before you. Um, we come before you uplifting, Felicia. We know that you have marvelous plans for her. We know that her anointing is great and, and her destiny is just out of this world. And we just thank you so much for her life and for her obedience and for her sincere desire to walk in your path and do the right thing. And we just ask that you, we ask that you guard her, that you guard her heart, that you guard her spirit during the season of growth and during the season when she prepares to walk into her destiny, that you, that you bind anything that will come against her, that would cause her to see herself as anything other than the way that you see her. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Now it's so important more than ever for you not to waver, Felicia. Do not waver and do not step back. Not now. Because you're standing... Earlier, I said I'm standing right on the bank and right on the threshold of everything I ever wanted. So were you. It all leads up to this moment. It's all for this. So do not, whatever you do, do not turn back. You might feel afraid at times. You know, you might feel nervous sometimes. You might wonder sometimes if it's, no, you're on the right path. But whatever you do, just keep moving and keep walking in it. No matter what, you just keep moving forward. And because he has there's so many layers to what it is that he has for you. There's so many layers. There's so many layers, and you're going to touch so many people. So whatever you do, you just keep keep focused. And whenever you you feel like you've lost sight of who you are in him, then you just talk to him, and he'll he'll tell you. That, you know, go into your secret place, your secret closet, and just and be honest and just tell them, you know what, I'm I'm muddled right now. I'm a little bit confused. His vision is a little blurry. It's clouded. And he'll speak to you and he'll remind you. Yeah. That's my prayer. I don't know what you call that, but that's what he just profoundly gave to me to say to you today. Thank you, Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You you are a queen. You are a queen in this kingdom. And keep keep living righteously. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep it keep keep it up. 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 And you're going to be stronger and stronger and stronger. You'll see. You'll be amazed. One day you're going to look back and go, what the what? Because when you get to the finish line and you look back and you see how far you've come, you won't even believe it. You're going to be so strong, you won't even recognize yourself. It'll be